One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd, naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Sketch comedy or sitcoms. Doctor Who. I love Tim. Bert. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, Junior Ambassadors. I'm Jared Boots, and this is 2020. Happy New Year, everybody. We're back, finally, after a much-needed break. Little extended holiday. Um, we're we're about two weeks into the new year, depending on when you listen to this recording. And me and Melissa are finally getting around to reviewing our top ten movies of 2019. And we are also going to be discussing the movies we are most looking forward to this year. I just mentioned her, so I cannot do this without her. I'd like to welcome my co-ambassador from the Great White North of Canada, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, how you doing? Happy New Year! Happy New Year, and I'm doing very well. How are you? Oh, you know, like Led Zeppelin says, good times, bad times, no, I've had my share. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 2019 was a hell of a year for movies, wasn't it? It definitely was. When I was making my list, I was like looking back on all these movies and Especially like this last half of like the last half of 2019 was just like amazing for for movies. So like I feel like sort of that first half not so much like there you know a few here and there, but it just started like that last half and it was just like really good. So yeah, <laughs> it was a hell of a year. I think the only other list I had a hard time making. Well, tell you truth be told. I had a lot easier time making my list for 2019 than I did for each year from the decade. (laughs) Especially like 2017, 2018, and 2016 were really hard for me to decide on just one movie I really liked. Oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that one too. Oh, I like that one too. (laughs) That, That was totally me too. I can't remember which year it was, but it was like, oh my God, I loved so many movies in that year. And I'm like, ugh. I can't, I can't pick. It's like that one and that one. And, oh, it was just like, yeah, that was really hard. Yeah. The top 10 for me too was like super easy. It was like no problem at all. But yeah, the decades one, oh, that was, uh, that was a challenge. That, that, that was, that was hard and not to discourage it. Cause I do love it. I think I only settled on Aquaman for 2018 just cause I've seen it more than anything else I'd seen in 2018. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, not that I didn't hate it, and it wasn't my most favorite, but I, I think I just settled on it because, like, oh, I saw, I liked the new Jurassic World, uh, Fallen Kingdom, but I didn't like it as much as Aquaman. Oh, I saw Record Ra- Ralph Breaks the Internet. I saw The Grinch. So, like, 
these are all good, but uh, Aquaman just a little bit more, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes down to. It was like, yeah, okay, you like that one that little bit more. It's like, okay, that makes the that earns the spot, right? So yeah, that was me too. It was just like, okay, the uh, okay, stop and think about it. Nope, that one I like that a little bit more than that one, so that one gets blue. <laughs> Yeah, I I chickened out on I chickened out on putting my top ten of the decade on real fans because I was afraid of being chastised because uh, I looked at some of those guys' lists and I'm like, oh shit, they're gonna look at mine. Like, why is like, I'll probably be the only person that didn't put Dark Knight Rises for their favorite movie of 2012? <laughs> well, two and a half hours of Tom Hardy is not gonna be the reason why I. It's my favorite. What did I put? I think I put World's End and Identity Thief. Mm. So I, think, I think that's when I had split for two movies. It was World's End, which Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, which I love, and Melissa McCarthy, Identity Thief. I fucking love those movies. Yeah. I think actually... But there's I, so many movies, it's like... I know. I forgot, like, you when I was looking, it was kind of a look, good looking back at movies and stuff, and it was like... Oh yeah, like you forgot about like these these movies like came out these years or whatever, and it was like yeah, and yeah, I love that movie Identity Thief, and The World's End was good too. It's like you know you can't go wrong with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, like those guys yeah. are just awesome. <laughs> it's it's it, it's not the best in the trilogy. No, I, but everybody says hot. Everybody, well, Shaun of Dead, of course, is the best in the trilogy, but everybody says Hot Fuzz is good too. But I I actually like World's End better than Hot Fuzz. Yeah, if I was, yeah, I would say that too, because like I like all three of those movies. Like they're all good in their own way, but like Shaun of the Dead is the best out of the three of them. Um, but I, I'd watch that. Like I actually have watched that one more than like I have Hot Fuzz, and like I have both movies. So, you know, but I, I have all three. I bought all three in like a little set that came together on the sand one dvd pack so mm-hmm. i usually when i sit down and watch two well i gotta watch the third one so i usually watch all three of them in a in a sitting or in a couple days yeah i think i have i've got hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead two of them on one dvd and then i think i have world's end i think i do on a separate one but yeah uh, those are good movies. I think twenty. I think twenty eleven was probably my most random one. I put Goon. <laughs> yeah. But what I did for that, I went to Wikipedia and typed out the year in movies, and I went month to month. So I'd find. I think they broke it down into quarters, so like winter, spring, summer, fall. I'm like okay, 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 winter, okay, I like that one, and I keep scrolling down until I find another one I liked, and then. Yeah, that's what I did too. Like I googled like. Yeah. Okay, the year and the movies, and I went through like the listing of like all the movies and wrote them out because I mean I can't remember. <laughs> uh, there, there's times like, oh wait, this movie came out that year. Holy shit! I know. I'm, like re- instantly, like reminded, like, oh yeah, holy crap, that came out that year, and like how old that movie is now. I was like, no, <laughs> no way. <laughs> How can that be? That came out like what a year ago. <laughs> just and saying, just last year in 2019, we were celebrating the 10 year anniversary of the Dark Knight, or 11 year anniversary of Dark Knight. So 2018, we were celebrating the, dark, the anniversary of the Dark Knight. I remember taking my little brother Lucas to go see it. So he was probably about seven when I went to go see him, and he's 
about to turn 19 here in a couple of weeks. Oh, <laughs> like Jeebus, Jeezy, crazy. Where's the time gone? I don't know where the time has gone, but yeah. Well, Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace just turned 20 last year. I know, I saw it. I'm like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> I was like, I remember when that freaking movie came out. I'm like, ah, I'm old. <laughs> I was a teenager when that movie came out. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. My, I know, forgive me, I know you don't like this word, but like, I'm 35, kiddo, so... <laughs> So 20 years ago, well, I say something was 20 years ago, that hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. I know. Because <laughs> I, I was just starting high school almost 20 years ago. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going gonna... to love to run for president down here now. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to. Let's see. Uh. Yeah, I was seven <laughs> when that movie came out. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, so, anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's get So, to- what we're going to do, so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to bounce back and forth. We're going to start with our honorable, do you want to start with our biggest discipline, then go to honorable mentions and then go to top 10 sure let's do that but, uh for i think first off that way people are aware um as a disclaimer do you want to list off the movies you didn't get a chance to see yet yeah um so basically well actually i had a bigger list but i kind of like i already because it was um and a little bit bigger list that I hadn't got a chance to see yet, but I kind of like I watched like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I finally saw that one. Um, actually, like I bought the movie without actually seeing it, but then I, you know, I was hardly you know disappointed, so it's, it was all it's good. A Tarantino movie you can't go wrong. Oh, exactly. That's what. <laughs> get out of my head. That's what I thought when I saw the, when I was going to go buy the movie. Like I can't go wrong with this. So. <laughs> So, yeah, um, basically my only movie I hadn't seen yet was uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I really, I wanted to see that one, but I just didn't get to, didn't get around to seeing it. So, yeah, that was actually my only one that I hadn't seen yet. Um, All the others, um, yeah, yeah, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then, so yeah, that kind of crossed off my list, so... Yeah. So, really short list for me. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah. That's, I wish it was that short. Um, well, it's, I know there was, cause there was some as of that year confusion, because the year flew by so fast. Um, I missed Us, the new Jordan Peele movie that came out. Like what I missed Brightburn, which I really heard great things about. I just kept I kept meaning to get myself around to watching it, getting around, getting around, getting. Cause that was of all the ones I wanted to see that I missed. That was my number one on my list. Um, I missed the Adams Family because some random movie in October stole all my money. Um, <laughs> I don't know what movie that would have been. Hmm. Um, I missed 
This one's a Hulu movie, so I probably watch it anytime. Uh, it's called Little Monsters. It's not to be confused with the one with the '80s with Fred Savage and Howie Mandel. This is a this one's got Josh Gad in it. Um, it's something who's like little kid zombies. And uh, there's something else I want to say I missed this year too, but I just Brightburn, Adam's Family, Us. I think that was it. I think I might think of it later. But yeah, so. Not saying after I watch these movies, I'd probably have to do more readjusting to my list. But, um, yeah, those are movies I wanted to see this year, but I just didn't get around to it. Um, I tried. And there's a lot of movies I had no interest in seeing. And some movies actually were absolutely wasting my money. <laughs> Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> I love that that's starting to come out of the woodwork now, that more and more fans are really not liking that movie. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, I mean, it made a billion dollars, so f us, right? Oh, exactly. Like, what? What? Our opinion means nothing, right? <laughs> they yeah, got their yeah. Well, people are saying about that. People are saying that about Joker now too. That movie made a billion dollars, and people are starting to say they didn't like it either. So what? F us. What do we know, huh? Exactly. Oh, there's been there's been a lot of hosting. There's been a lot of shit talk on Joker, and I'm just like, ugh. Nope, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. <laughs> Just gonna step away. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know how oh. I feel about that movie, and if somebody bashes it, I'm like... Oh, spoiler yeah. alert. There is two Disney movies on my top ten this year, and neither one of them are Marvel movies. Hmm. So, take that. <laughs> take that, Mickey. Yeah. Oh. He still got some of my money this year, so I can't say take that. Yeah. So I did. Wa- I did waste money on Endgame. I did waste money on Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you say is your biggest disappointment of 2019? Biggest disappointment? Oh boy. <laughs> um, my first. Big disappointment is uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Ooh. That one I was so excited for. I was really looking forward to it. And go to see it, and I left really disappointed. And I think it was... It was like a greatest hits of all these characters. And yeah, that was really cool to see. You know, spoiler alert. You know, Lando and, you know, but it was just like, they didn't, I don't feel like they really ended the story because it was like, and even my mom, because she came with me to see it and she was like, they should have just, when she buried the the lightsabers in the sand, that's when the movie should have ended. Like, that's it. Because then that's, okay, this is your end of the story and that's it. Like, not have... Ray standing on Tatooine and looking at the two sons, like you're setting up for her to go on more adventures, right? That you're not ending it, and I just, I was disappointed, and it kind of made me sad that I was disappointed because I was so excited about it. So, oh. yeah, the the characters were good, the characters were, were strong, but the story was weak, and it disappointed me. Uh, we'll be talking about this movie a little, little bit later, but um, that's a that's a you, brief thing. 
could, could you could you argue that the pretty much the whole trilogy was just a rehashing of the original trilogy? Pretty much. Did you enjoy Did you enjoy this more or less than uh, Last Jedi? Because Last Jedi catches a lot of flack too. I think. I think I I would probably because like I didn't really get into Last Jedi either, but I could say that I like that one better than this one. I could say that. Um, I think out of all the movies, like Rogue One was the best one out of all of them. Um, like you know, Force Awakens was alright. Like I, I can't say really anything bad about it, but like. You know, Last Jedi and this one, Rogue One was, like, the highlight of all. And that was not even really part of the trilogy. That was its own story. So, you know, but... (laughs) But, yeah. Um, Yeah, that one disappointed me, which made me sad. (laughs) And then um, my other ones was Brightburn. Disappointed me. Um... Yeah, it was. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go into too much detail because I know you haven't seen it yet. So I'm not, you know. But that one, eh. I was really hoping it would make my list. Spoiler alert: it's not on my list. <laughs> but no, it didn't earn a spot. So, um, and then uh, Captain Marvel or Marvel has. Some people may call it. <laughs> that really disappointed me. And then um, Avengers Endgame and Child's Play, the new one. Um, but they two out of on this list may be on my list just because they just have a spot. But I'll explain why later. <laughs> so for you, what are your um, what are your disappointments for? 2019. Uh, well, I only have one biggest disappointment for 2019, and as much as I rip on Endgame and Captain Marvel, I don't consider them big disappointments because I did not go in with a lot of expectation. Because mm-hmm. uh, to tell a quick quick story, I was actually at work. I was offered passes to go see uh, Endgame on opening night, and I turned them down because. <laughs> Me and Melissa have discussed before. I just had no excitement to go see Endgame. I was not hyped at all, and I don't. I didn't go and see until almost a month after it came out, and mm-hmm. that's because that was getting to the point where I still didn't want to get. I still didn't want it spoiled for me, but I, I planned on seeing it eventually. But uh, I just had no excitement to see it because I liked how it ended. I. I did find some parts of it enjoyable. I enjoyed Thor, and um, I enjoyed Thor mostly, I think, and that catches a lot of flag, I think, as the whole Thor storyline. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> and I had, I probably consider Captain Marvel to be a little disappointing, but yeah. to me, but I sat there and I was bored the whole time I was watching that movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, so my biggest disappointment, even though I'm new to the whole genre of monster movies, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is my biggest disappointment for 2019. Um, I went and saw it with a friend, and not that I completely hate it, because I do enjoy it. Like, the CG monster fights 
are amazing to watch and yeah. it's definitely definitely a big advancement from <laughs> a guy in a Godzilla suit fighting I'm I'm used to like I'm used to the black and whites and the guy in the the guy in a freaking costume that's what I'm used to and the corny Japanese acting that's what I'm used to but what took me out two things that took me out of Godzilla King of the Monsters was a subplot with the mom being evil kind of her I was kind of weak sauce and then her reasons for teaming up with the big, the bad guy and just the humor. So they just killed it with humor, so much humor in the movie and it just took me out of, but I, I do love watching the, watching Godzilla fight all the monsters. It's that's cool as hell though. Yeah. Uh, to spoil it before we get to 2020, I'm still looking forward to Godzilla versus King Kong this year, which I hope Warner Bros. learned their lesson from this, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I was hoping Godzilla King of the Mon- Godzilla King of the Monsters was in my top ten for the year, and it, and it dropped out. Yeah, because I went to go rewatch it a second time, and I'm like, I told Melissa, go, I turned it off halfway through just because the humor and the subplot was just so bad. I like, I love watching, I love watching him fight Ghidorah and uh, all the other ones, but it's just not doing it for me. Like, I can't get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that one was that was on my list too, but yeah, that got knocked out. But yeah. Um. Oh. So, out with the bad, in with the good. So, before we get to the top ten, do you have any honorable mentions that just missed your top ten? Yes. Um, Dumbo. I recently, like, I finally got to watch that movie, and it was just. I was an emotional wreck. Uh, for the first little bit of the movie, I was like, ah, I was just, oh my god, it was it was awful. But yeah, but I, I absolutely, I, I did love that movie. It was really, really good and really well done. And and um, and then I have to say, um, and this is mostly for the monster fights, and that's it. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, gets an honorable mention just because of the monster fights, and yeah, it's it's not the greatest movie in the world. I will really give it that. It's kind of disappointing, um, but the monster fights are kind of what make it cool. So it gets an honorable mention from me. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> go put a put a pin in Dumbo because we'll be talking about it later. Mm-hmm. But. Uh... My honorable mentions are, uh, I put down, I've talked about this movie a lot on this show, the Banana Splits movie. That's my honorable mention. One of my my honorable mentions for 2019, it is a cheesy, corny horror movie, slasher movie. I love my cheesy slasher movies. Melissa's more of a stickler on those than I am. (laughs) But for the animatronic kills alone, it's like some of the acting is just god awful in this movie, but for the animatronic kills alone, it's worth rewatching all the time. Yeah. And uh, my other honorable mention is uh, Rob Zombie's uh, Three from Hell, which is a continuation from the Devil's Rejects and uh, House of Thousand Corpses storyline with the Firefly family. Uh, it's not Rob Zombie's best, but I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed 31. And I enjoyed it a lot more than uh, I've only seen Lords of Salem once, so I can't jump on that one too much. But Three from Hell is good, and it's it's got all the ingredients of a Rob Zombie horror movie: lots of blood, lots of 
vulgar language and uh, lots of nudity. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely enjoyable because I love the fire. I love the Firefly Family. And it's one of the last movies that have late Sid Haig in it too, and his role was drastically reduced for this movie. So he's only in like the first five ten minutes of the of the film. But uh, yeah, Three from Hell, not not Zombies best, but it's it's enjoyable to watch. So, on to the top ten. Melissa, mm-hmm. Melissa, what is your tenth favorite movie of 2019? My tenth favorite movie of 2019 was Avengers Endgame. What? And let me explain before everybody like bashes me to shit. You guys were <laughs> shitting on this movie all fucking year. <laughs> you top ten. Um, <laughs> I liked it because, like, you know, there was I, I didn't. There were so many plot holes. There was so much to just. It it really could have been a lot better. Um, but you know, Thor was kind of what made the movie. Um, it was just great, and you know, so and then of course. You know, me being, you know, devout, you know, Iron Man fan that really ugh, pulled on the heartstrings when he died. So it, it, it gave it it caused emotions. So it goes on my list. <laughs> Otherwise, the movie isn't the greatest, but it, 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 it gets number 10. So there oh. we go. See, Thor, Thor is the biggest reason to watch it. And mm-hmm. uh, I. I think I made the joke when I first saw it that uh, the ancient one, Tilda Swinton, she's the MVP of the movie because I've gone on record in saying that the stupid CG Hulk is what takes me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I say that she's the MVP of the movie because she separates Bruce Banner and the Hulk. <laughs> like, I can, like, with Stark's death scene, I cannot take it seriously when I see the Hulk standing there in a ripped up suit. I'm like, I cannot take this scene seriously. Mm. Or when, he, when he's in when he's in the diner, everybody say green. Yeah, oh, that, was, <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> but see, like I ignored that that like when like the whole Iron Man scene, like I kind of just shut him out and was like totally focused on on that, and I was just like, ah, <laughs> uh, it was emotional wreck moment. Oh. I'm glad for waiting waiting a month to go see it. I'm glad I was able to keep that to keep that uh, not getting spoiled for me. So that kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Mm. But say going in, we all knew it was Chris Evans' last movie as Captain America, so we all know something was going to happen there. So yeah. that kind of took some of the, that that kind of took some of the sting out of it, like seeing his ending, quote unquote, his ending. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, you're probably not gonna like my number ten. My number ten is the Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, explain. Well, I'll be I'll be open minded. I... <laughs> Remember back to episode five or six. <laughs> um, I actually enjoyed Rise of Skywalker more than I enjoyed the Last Jedi, and um. I did get where everybody's talking about. I see why it's not getting the best reviews on 
the internet. I do. I'm, I am hoping to get a second viewing in on it before it comes out on uh, home release. Um, there are some scenes I really enjoyed. Like for some reason, I just enjoyed was the first segment when they are they go to that planet and C-3PO is just saying the most random shit and everybody just stares back, turns around and looks at him. And then C-3PO turns around and looks behind him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, for, my, my first thought was like, when the hell did, when the hell did uh, C-3PO become, become the comic relief in this universe? Cause that's, he seemed like he was more comic relief in this movie than anything. Definitely. Like it was a different sort of, role for him because he's usually just like this slightly annoying character but you still gotta love him anyway and but yeah he was really kind of yeah that plucky comic relief in the in the movie so yeah Uh, yeah, he's he's got those quips that like make you chuckle and stuff like mm -hmm. in a new hope where he's like i don't like you either but it's like they took <laughs> that and they, crank, they they cranked it up to like an eleven because we hardly got him in the Force Awakens or the Last Jedi. Yeah, and uh, I do love C three PO. He's been one of my favorite characters as long as I've been a Star Wars fan. Um, and yeah, as as I'm looking, that's why it's my number ten because I almost had, I almost did a, a switch. It was almost my number nine, but then I, I sat there and think about it. And I'm like, well. And like going into it, they they played up the whole LGBTQ kiss that happens at the end of the movie, which, whatever. Yeah. And but I think the one thing I admire about this movie the most, spoilers if you haven't seen The Rise of Skywalker yet, but I was really impressed about how they kept it secret that Han Solo was in the movie. Yeah. They kept that under lock and key. They did, and I'm... I was like, oh. <laughs> You're, hey, kiddo. And he turns around, it's freaking Han Solo. <laughs> when I, yeah, and, you hear, hey, kid. Uh, what? Oh! <laughs> like, in this day and age, how in the hell did you keep that secret? That, how did uh, nobody leak that? I know. That was like, they should get an award for best kept secret ever. Because if, wow. if, if there's if there's an Oscar for best kept secret, then it, it would go to to JJ Abrams. Um, yeah. I heard from a coworker that JJ Abrams has admitted he's not good at endings, mm. which I guess with the outcome of this movie, you can kind of tell. I can see that. And but like, like like we discussed in your biggest disappointment segment, like when you say this trilogy was essentially a rehashing of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to bring back so nostalgia, so much nostalgia factor in it. Yeah. But I also told I also told myself going. I know my thoughts of this movie are all scattered right now. Um, I also told myself I didn't think I'd be emotionally prepared to see Carrie Fisher one last time on screen. Oh, my lord, I have never cried so much seeing her, and then especially when they played it into the movie when like she she dies, and I'm just like, oh. I that was it. I broke down. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> I I think I would have lost it more because I saw Rogue One probably the week before she passed away. Yeah. So I told people to go. Had I seen Rogue One after Carrie Fisher passed, when I see when you see young 
Leia at the end of Rogue One, I probably would have lost it in the theater. Yeah. There was, there was two there was two there was two movies that I did not think I'd be emotionally prepared for this year. So it's my it's my number ten and my number one. <laughs> movies <laughs> I did not think I'd be emotionally prepared to see this year. And um this one was because I didn't think I'd be able to handle seeing Carrie Fisher one last time on the screen. And um was... for those reasons. Yeah, because, like, yeah, for me, like, when I saw, like, Rogue One, and then it was that day that she, that news broke that she had passed away, and, like, I was walking out of the theater, and I just, like, looked at my phone, whatever, and then I saw, I think it was maybe on Facebook or something, and, and I was, like, I stopped and just started to cry when I saw, I'm, like, what? <laughs> so, it was, I think it was good that I saw, like, Rogue One before I found out that, you know, because otherwise, yeah, I wouldn't have, you know. But then seeing uh, Rise of Skywalker and seeing her, and it was just like, oh, tugged at the heartstrings, man. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think about this? Is the thing I don't remember the the prequels as well. I do not remember the Emperor being married or anything, mentioning having a wife or kids at all. So they they really retcon the shit out of. I'm, I'm starting to think they really retcon the crap out of. Ray being Palpatine's granddaughter. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I I really didn't understand that because, like, looking back, because I do remember some of the the prequels, and yeah, Palpatine was just like he was who he was, and then like you never saw him with like like he was always on his own in all those movies, and like there was never even any hint of him having any family or whatever, or so to have that. It just really didn't make any sense. And then he was basically plugged into fucking life support. Like, okay, you could have just unplugged him. Like, where's the plug-in? Like, just unplug him and there he's dead. Like, I really... That part really I didn't like. Because it it made no sense whatsoever. And they didn't even take even a second to explain how he may have like survive like it was sort of oh this is sort of why and blah 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 and yeah i i I think that's yeah i was more forgiving and how he's what they do to how he survived i was more forgiving of because oh through the dark because through the dark side it opens you up to all this stuff so Okay, I can I can see that. Okay, he cheated death because that's how in tune to the dark side of the force he really is. So okay, I'll, mm-hmm. okay, I can see that. So I was more forgiving of that, but it was just the whole Ray being his granddaughter. I'm like, well, they kept saying it's not. Gonna... I guess it's a better twist than her being an actual Skywalker. Because my whole theory, my whole theory. I don't know if I read this online or if it, or if I just thought of it, but I I thought the title Rise of Skywalker meant that Skywalker was going to be the new religion to replace mm-hmm. the Jedi since Yoda burned burned all the Jedi texts. I thought and then since Luke passed away, I thought that Rey was going to start like the new quote-unquote religion and have it be called Skywalker. Yeah. But then that we see at the end of the movie, she makes herself like an adopted Skywalker, which, okay. Yeah, it was a little bit 
I, I was kind of like, oh, what's your name? I'm like, wait for it. Wait for it. Aha, there you go. Like, it just sort of, it was a little predictable for like, okay, that we all know what's going to happen now. So, yeah. 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 It's, a, it's not my favorite of the new one. I probably like the Force Awakens better, but you could argue that all three, well, I'd actually say The Last Jedi has less nostalgia factor in it than Force Awakens does or Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Probably because it's got a different director. Mm-hmm. But they're not... But they just... I don't know. Like, it, it, I'd say it barely made my top ten. Like, I didn't see Three from Hell Enough or Banana, yeah, Banana Splits is enjoyable to watch over and over again, but... Yeah, Skywalker. Red Skywalker makes my top ten because it had some good moments in it that were pretty good. And yeah, yeah, there's some bad things I can say about it. There's some good things I can say about it, but I think there's probably more good things I can see in it than bad things, like the whole kiss with uh, Kylo Ren and Ray was weird. Mm -hmm. That was weird. I think weirder than like Hellboy and Baba Yaga. Like that was <laughs> for weird kids. It was less the. It was less the. It was less. It was less and nobody walked. Nobody walked out of my. Nobody walked out of my theater when it happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was random, and I. I have joked. Like, well, when I see all these Star Wars movies come out. I see all these random clickbait articles come out about the movies. Like when Solo came out, they made somebody made an article about how Lando is pansexual, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you guys, people that know me know I'm a very open, caring person. So I do not care race, religion, sexual orientation you are, whatever you identify. I have no problem with you. Love is love. We're all people. We all bleed red. But I'm like, does this have anything to do with the fucking movie? And you go and watch Solo, and it, it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned offhand once, and like, I didn't care. I really enjoyed Donald Glover as as uh, Lando, as young Lando. He was awesome. That's probably my favorite highlight of the whole movie is Daniel, Donald Glover as young Lando. Um, but then you see about this whole LGBTQ kiss in Rise of Skywalker, and I've been openly said that I really thought for a minute there it was going to be Poe and Finn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just, the way the, the, just the way those two are with each other. <laughs> but, yeah, and the kiss is in the background, so you don't even see it. Like, it doesn't, like, you you have to be looking for it to even notice it, so it's like, what's the point of making a big deal about it? Exactly. Like, I this, don't know. This, this, this is my country, ladies and gentlemen. This is the country I live in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we went on a one heck of a tangent there. Uh, what's what's your number nine? Oh, what's, number I just did my number ten. So what's your number nine? All right, you're you're gonna be like I don't know how you're gonna react to it, but it's gonna be funny maybe. <laughs> but I do have reasons. So my number nine is Child's Play. But didn't you? But didn't you make it a 
disappointment for the year I too. It, do, it doesn't make sense because my well, reason before, before, before wait, wait, hold on. Before you go any farther, you hear this? We're on the same page. Child's Play is my number nine too. <laughs> so I thought I'd throw that out there so we can discuss it openly. So we have to we have to railroad the discussion at all. So go ahead and give me your reasons why it's your number nine. Also, disappointment and your number nine. Yeah, disappointment because it was like my overall, just like overall, the movie was like, eh. I didn't have any expectations going into it. I was like full on, just blank slate, whatever. I'm just gonna watch it. But it really, I didn't so much get into it. But it is my number nine because Mark Hamill voicing Chucky was pretty good. Like he brought the creep factor. And so that's why Child's Play earns that number nine spot because Mark Hamill just he I feel like he he crushed it, um, and that was yeah that's my reasoning. Um, otherwise, yeah, the movie was eh like there, there were some good moments and you know so I can't completely bash it, but it's also one that I've watched it once and I don't need to watch it any more times so. There you go. <laughs> That's fair. Um, my it's my number nine. This is this almost became my number ten. Rise of Skywalker almost became my number nine. But the, the cheesy slasher fan in me just loves Child's Play. I was on Chucky's probably one of my favorite slasher icons. I think of all the slasher movies I have, I think. Child's Play is the only franchise I have every movie of. I think that probably Nightmare on Elm Street too, or the only two I have all the movies. Um, I just rewatched Child's Play the other night. Um, maybe about a week ago, I rewatched Child's Play at the time of this recording. Um, and it took me a while to buy it on Blu-ray. I waited till Black Friday because I I knew when it came out. I want to say it came out in a digital home release what September or October. Yeah. I just couldn't bring myself to buy it because I did enjoy it in the theater. I enjoyed the cheesiness of it in the theater, and uh, I couldn't bring myself to buy it till till I saw it for like ten bucks on uh, Black Friday weekend yeah. here in the states. Um, so yeah, the child's this child's play knows what it is, and I love that it, it pays homage to a lot of '80s classic movies too. So you get the kids watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Um, it's got um, movie posters in the background of Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Return of the Living Dead. And uh, there was another one, too. I can't remember. Was it Critters? No. I can't remember. But it's got some rewatch with me. Um, I think as we discussed in that, in that episode, we talked about Child's Play. Um, the only hard scenes for me to watch are the ones with the cat. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I knew that... Even after re- even after my second my rewatch and I watched it the other day, I still had to turn away watching that scene with the cat. Um, but other than that, like I say, I was on I was on board with it thanks to three C films on YouTube. Thanks to him, I was on board for this movie. And then when I when it was announced, I think it was like a month before it even came out. It was when Mark Hamill announced he was playing Chucky. So. Mm-hmm. I, I was in right. I was my ticket was already guaranteed, but when Mark Hamill said he was attached to him, I'm like, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but 
Mark Hamill as Chucky really is the highlight of this. And we discussed in the episode, there's nobody's uh, Brad Dorff. It's like when everybody thinks of Freddie, they think of Robert Englund. When everybody thinks of Chucky, they think of Brad Dorff. And I think some people probably thought the AI was a cop out, which I kind of enjoy it. Because now, if you know the the history of the rights to the movie and the franchise, studio wise, Orion only owns the rights to the first Child's Play. Universal owns the rights to two through Cult. So um, this is why I think they took this turn with it. That way, they can continue on with it if they continue if they decide to make a second one. Yeah, but um. I did like the whole AI aspect of it because it, that's how you bring it in to 2019. You had to, it, voodoo's not going to work anymore, I don't think. Well, it still it still works, and Don, Don Mancini is still doing the whole voodoo storyline with Brad Dorff. I think it's going. I heard two television, two more movies. I heard a television series. I don't know what's going on with it right now. So Don Mancini's still doing that, which I will still go and watch him. I've enjoyed the last few movies of those too, but uh, I think the AI brings it more into this modern thing because we got it everywhere. We got things that yet Siri and Alexa that can control all your devices in your home. Okay. So it make it makes sense to have a doll that can do this, and yeah. in a way, it does kind of set up good for a sequel too. That Andy didn't really kill Chucky; he killed a doll that Chucky was controlling. Mm. So yeah, it could definitely be continued. So, so yeah, yeah it, it, it's low on my list. Yeah, it's it's corny, but I love my corny slashers, man. What can I say? I did enjoy like the one scene when the he's in the the SUV with that lady, and he pops up. He's like, "Peek up, boo!" <laughs> <laughs> that that was a good one. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and, yeah, and I. I know how, I know the look of the doll caught a lot of shit too, but yeah, that was there 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 is there is some there are some scenes where he looks genuinely creepy. Mm-hmm. Especially like, when he's sitting on the in the living room on the couch. Yeah, yeah. Into the house, the apartment, and that's like, oh, that's <laughs> genuinely creepy. <laughs> yeah, that when he when uh, Andy's punishing him for uh, trying to kill was it. Trying to keep when they're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I'm sorry, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like I do like how Chucky plays with Andy's uh Andy's uh his hearing aid because it's a Kazan hearing aid. Mm-hmm. So when and Andy's like trying to find him in the in the in the living room and he's talking through all the devices. Over here, Andy. No, over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what is your number eight? Uh, my number eight was one that I kind of forgot that I had seen it. And then, like, okay, I remembered some of it. So this one was sort of just like a random placement because I needed a number eight. <laughs> Um, and it's the Lego movie second part. Um, it was, it, I think it came out, what, back in February or something. And, um, 
I saw it in theater and I thought it was a it was a pretty cute movie. Like for the like the Lego movie, like it's just a fun, you know, fun film that you can kind of, you know, like turn your brain off and just watch purely for entertainment. So I really liked it. I enjoyed it and uh so yeah, it was a it's a fun, cute film, so that gets my, my number eight. I remember seeing the trailer for it, but I haven't seen any of the Lego movies. The only Lego movie I've seen is Lego Batman. Yeah. I've actually Lego, watched like Lego Batman more than I have like the Lego movie. Like the other uh, <laughs> Lego Batman's fucking hilarious. Oh yeah. It, it, then, it's a it's a treat. Yeah. And especially like after like I finally read like the graphic novels and comics and stuff, and it just makes it a thousand times funnier when you know the references. And it's just oh my god. There, there, there's so <laughs> many Easter eggs in Lego Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but um uh, but I had never have it. I think I was like mo- the first Lego movie ever on Netflix at one point. Because I thought yeah. I had it on my Netflix. I think I had it on my watch list for Netflix, and I don't think I'd ever gotten around to it. Because Chris Pratt started to become one of those characters, one of those actors where if he's in something, I want to see it just because he's in it. Mm-hmm. So it was. Uh, so it's something I wanted to see. I just never got around to it. But yeah. But yeah, I saw the trailer for it, but the trailer didn't the trailer for the second one. It didn't really spark my interest, though. Yeah, it didn't really spark my interest much either. But I still, I don't know, like I still wanted to see it. But I think for the reasoning too that it was Chris Pratt, and you know, so I was like, yeah, I got to see this. So yeah. I'm sorry, I can't join the conversation much. This I. I I honestly forgot it came out. The, I honestly forgot it came out this year. I know. I <laughs> forgot that too. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so, what is your number eight? My number eight is also a sequel, and it is It Chapter Two. Oh, okay. I've only gotten one watch on it so far. I want to rewatch it again. I tried to buy it last night so I could rewatch it again. Um, I really did enjoy it. I was looking forward to it. And I was excited to see Bill Hader as Grown Up Richie. Like, this, I was really hoping this would be better than the second half of the miniseries with Tim Curry. And it was. It really does deliver. I think. I know a big, a lot of complaints you see online is there's a, some a lot of humor in it chapter two, but I, the, which I can agree with that too. But um, I find it chapter two. Everybody complains about the runtime too. Like, well, fuck, you all sat through Avengers Endgame this year, but you're complaining about sitting through an almost three hour long horror movie. Exactly. But uh, this one, this ch- the chapter two does does very well. It's just as good as chapter one, I think. And Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise is so fucking good. Mm. Like, I love not bash on Tim Curry. I love Tim Curry's Pennywise. I'm a huge Tim Curry fan, but Bill Skarsgård just Kind of like Mark Hamill's Chucky, he takes it and runs with it, makes it his own. He to be just as good. Like same with David Harbor and playing Hellboy, he takes his approach and just does. It is work of art, and mm. the adult the adult cast they got to play the kids all growing up is so damn good. And like other people, I'd like to see them. I'd like I would like to see them rely on practical effects more than computer graphics. Too, mm-hmm. but it is so damn good. It chapter two is pretty damn good. Like 
I want to see it again. Maybe it would probably go up in my list a little bit more if I saw it again. But um, okay. it, it chipped too. So I like uh, it's still it's not as f- vague in my memory because I haven't seen it since I think it came out in September. So I haven't seen it since September. So, um, but yeah, it, it was one of my most anticipated for the year too. Was, I think it was lower on my list for most anticipated for 2019. Mm-hmm. But I, I did enjoy it, and I will watch it again. It's got rewatchable value to it. I. I heard rumors on another podcast that there might be a seven-hour version coming out of one and two edited together. Oh boy! <laughs> It'd be like seven hours long. So I would, if that came out, I would buy it and watch it because I guess there's a lot of deleted scenes that would connect these two movies together. Okay. There's there is some Rise of Skywalker like retconning in, in that chapter two, but. Um, it's still very it. enjoyable, <laughs> and, and if you're a Bill Hader fan, you'll like you'll you'll like his adult Richie. It's pretty good. Okay, I still uh, I, I'll uh, I'll admit I still have to see the original like it movie because I haven't I haven't seen it. I do have it on DVD because uh, oh, I bought the, mini, it for, the miniseries. What? Yeah, so I got it for like five bucks like very recently. So it's it's on my my movie watching list. Um, and then, yeah, then I want to see, like, I want to see the new ones. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, if I give you a tip, a point, a point of advice, keep in mind the Tim Curry nineties one was made for TV. Ah. So they, they do as good as they can for a 1990 budget being made Mm. for TV. Okay. So you got, you got, you got to look at it one way. So one's made for TV in the nineties. The other two are made 20 some odd years later in an age where computer graphics are king. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So just keep that in mind. So don't, so you're not, <laughs> it's the first half, I'll tell you this, the first half of the miniseries when they're kids is awesome. But the second half when they're adults, they got some good names to play the adults like John Ritter, and uh, the late Harry, the, the late John Ritter, the late Harry Anderson, are in it, and um, they are good. But you really only watch the second half for Tim Curry as Pennywise. Okay. But uh, he like everybody loves like one of his most universally loved roles besides Doctor Frankenfurter is Pennywise. Like Tim Curry just crushes it as Pennywise in this movie. But um. Yeah, that's if I can give you an advice about watching watching them. Just remember, this one was made 1990. It was made for television. The first, <laughs> the first, the first it movie came out in 2017. Which they, I love how they play it together because Pennywise comes back once every 27 years. So they release it in 2017. It'll come about 27 years after. <laughs> Fuck, man. So the, the miniseries turns 30 this year. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, so keep in mind now you're watching the 30-year-old miniseries made for TV. <laughs> so and Melissa knows I, I gave her shit for being a cheese snob, so... Yep. So... <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so harsh on the thirty on the 1990 miniseries, because <laughs> now you're looking at it 30 years old. Yeah. 
Alrighty. So. <laughs> so, Melissa, what is your number seven for 2019? My number seven is Toy Story 4. Um, I recently got to... That was it. That was the movie uh, my, I haven't seen list was Toy Story 4. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're welcome for the reminder. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, when I finally got to see it, and I thought it was a cute movie. Um, it doesn't really I like for me. It end like this the the series ends at Toy Story 3. Like, it, the, Toy Story 3 was your completed story, and that was, like, sort of it. But I still enjoyed Toy Story 4. I thought it was a cute film, and it sort of... It was a little bit, like... A, a little bit of a nostalgia thing, because it was, like, going back, remembering when I first saw, like, Toy Story when it came out, and just remembering that, like, fun that I had watching the those ones... And so, again, it was like, yeah, that, you know, um, watching it like I was kind of like a kid again. And, and uh, yeah, it was fun. So that, that earns my number seven spot. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it either. I didn't see it. I knew it because it came out the same weekend as Child's Play. Mm-hmm. So, so I, did, I did enjoy the Toy Story-centric Child's Play posters we got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I know Melissa's been not saying she doesn't see things because she's stubborn. I think this is why I didn't see Toy Story four, because I was eleven when the first Toy Story came out in ninety five, maybe ten going on eleven. So I just remember. I think I took either my I think I took my youngest brother or my sister to see Toy Story three when it came out. And I remember like welling up a little bit because we're just watching the storyline evolve, and I thought Toy Story three had the perfect ending. Yeah. So, so I was wondering why come back and do a fourth one, mm-hmm. other than the fact that Mickey loves money. Um, <laughs> I assumed that it was probably just like a cheap ploy, just to plug because it just opened Toy Story Land mm-hmm. at uh, Disneyland. So I think that was, that was my conspiracy theory why they did Toy Story 4 yeah. what it I, I I just remembered it was on my list of movies I missed like is it on Disney plus yet uh, I don't think so no because I I'll got I, I, I saw it through the Google Play like movies thing or actually like I rented the rented the movie so yeah, yeah. I haven't and I'll, I'll probably wait for it to jump up on uh Disney Plus, it, you would think it'd be coming soon because I just added Aladdin and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. So I'm sure it'll be coming soon. I'll probably catch it then. Yeah. Well, I do like uh, I do like from seeing the trailers that we do get Bo Peep back. I think that was like the biggest question of number three is what happened to Bo Peep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'll be I'll be sure to get to it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth a watch. Definitely, it's it's not a waste of your time. So, well, that's good because yeah, sick of unnecessary sequels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
My number seven is also a Disney sequel. And don't let my macho exterior fool you. My number seven for 2019 is Frozen 2. (laughs) I know you you Uh, like that one. It was really (laughs) enjoyable. Like being a born in the eighties. So being an eighties slash nineties kid, I do. I'm a huge Disney nerd. Um, I, I don't talk about it as much as my other nerdums, but I do love Disney animated movies. And, um, I started a little disorder with Andy when it came out back. Was it, how long has he been doing that now? Like three years. I think he's been going. Cause they, they go, there's a difference between all these Disney animated movies. Uh, if you guys don't listen to it, you should check it out. It's called Disorder. Every Disney film. And it's where Andy DiGenova and two of his friends, Michael and Hunter, they review every Disney animated feature in order from Disney Animation Studios. So that's how you clarify which movies to watch. I think the last episode they did was there. They just finished the Renaissance era. So they just, I think they, I think the last episode was Treasure Planet. So that's how far along they are. Um, so they'll be getting frozen here in a few episodes, actually, the first Frozen movie. But I watched half of Frozen about a year ago when I was living in Des Moines. I never ended up finishing. Went to go see Disney on Ice in that year. And Disney on Ice was like heavily relying on Frozen. And Frozen's always been in my lexicon. Um, it's always been in my pop culture zeitgeist. Um, but after I re- so I rewatched Frozen before I went to go see Frozen Two. I really enjoyed it, um, especially Olaf. Olaf is my favorite character because um, I love how naivete is played in movies. If people can make being something being played so naive uh, played, if they could play it well without being too cheesy, then I love it. Kind of like mm-hmm. Edward Norton in Death to Smoochie. Or uh, Brendan Fraser in uh, Blast from the Past. If somebody can be somebody, a character that's naive and play it well and believable, mm-hmm. it, it really works for me. And um, so I went to go see Frozen 2 back in November on opening night. First of all, every everybody in my row in the theater was all adults. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of kids there for it, but... Uh, yeah, Frozen 2 is really good, and it's got songs, like the first one, it's got songs that get stuck in your head, and Olaf is just, he's a little less naive now, because he's older, old, quote-unquote older, but, um, not the, have you, you haven't seen Frozen 2 yet, have you? No, I haven't. Well, if it's not too spoilery, there is a scene, like, halfway through the middle, where Olaf acts out the plot of the first movie. <laughs> and it is so goddamn funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I had a couple co-workers who, um, who went to see the movie like quite a few times actually. Cause like they love frozen. So they obviously saw a sequel and they've seen it a few times and they've been talking about it. So yeah, I heard about, I heard about that. Of it. <laughs> and he does that and they really enjoyed that part. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fro- Frozen has made my first Frozen has made my top ten favorite movies from Disney Animation Studios. There is a difference, so um, but I think Frozen Two is only the 
third sequel to come out of Disney Animation Studios. Oh, wow. That's dating all the way back to 1937 with the first movie being Snow White. So from wow. 1937 to 2019, Disney Animation Sequels has only done three sequels. The Rescuers Down Under, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks Internet, and Frozen 2 are the only three sequels to come out of Disney Animation Studios. Wow. Huh. Not know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Those are three good sequels. But um that's about all I have to say about it right now without getting too spoilery for you. But um <laughs> what is your favorite or what was your number six? What is your number six favorite movie twenty nineteen? My number six uh for twenty nineteen is the banana splits movie. Really? Yes. <laughs> I I really loved it. Even like this first, like I've only seen it once so far, but I just loved it for like it was like the acting was so unbelievably bad. It was cheesy, but the kills were just awesome and also hilarious at times. Where I was just like busting a gut laughing, and it was just. Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. I really, I'm definitely like I want to watch it. It's it's got rewatchable ability. So, um, yeah, that made my number six. Yeah. Wow, the 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 queen of cheese snobbery. That's been one of the corniest movies. <laughs> At number six. Yeah, unpredictability <laughs> over here. There, there is, there, there is like we've. I think no other podcast has talked about banana splits more than our show has. I think we've brought it up <laughs> in like three or four different episodes, <laughs> at least. So I think Sci-Fi owes us some. Or Sci-Fi or Warner Brothers owes us some money. I think they should be paying us to be talking about banana splits. <laughs> if the if the if the revenue of banana splits goes up now, I think. Warner Brothers and Sci-Fi owes us some money because no other show talks about. I know Dead Meat does a does a kill count episode on Banana Splits, but uh, I think I think they I think they owe us some money because we've been driving we've been driving we've been driving this movie more than we've been advertising this movie more than they have. <laughs> they just kind of they just kind of dumped it on DVD. <laughs> yeah. We had. There is, you it's it's sort of like Godzilla. You like how you watch Godzilla for the monster fights. You don't watch it for the acting. You watch this for the animatronic, even though their animatronics are played by real people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I find it funny. Like a lot of the adults are, like the mom. She's good as an actress. Uh, the yeah. older brother and the page, the studio page, and the producer, she's pretty good. But like a lot of the adult acting is so bad. And uh, ironically, the child who's supposed to be the child actress, <laughs> she's a bad actress too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Daddy, I'm scared. <laughs> Daddy, I want to go home. Daddy, I'm scared. <laughs> Well, but yeah, 
this movie is it's got a lot of if you're into cheesy horror movies it's got a lot of rewatchability and if if you watch it for that factor alone it's got a it's i could see why it'd be this high on your list and banana splits wasn't my top 10 for a while and it just gradually kept going down and down um that's why i made it my honorable men- one of my honorable mentions looks i really did enjoy it and it, it does get a looking at my list other than my number one and my number two, I think Banana Splits has gotten more rewatches than any other movie on my top ten. So, wow! Since my number, my top two movies, I think Banana Splits has got more rewatch, more rewatches than anything. I just, I need some corn. I'm in a corny kind of mood. Oh, I'll throw in Banana Splits. Why the fuck not? I need, I need a good laugh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely one of those, yeah. You just you need you need a good laugh, then that one's that's definitely your movie. <laughs> I did learn in a special feature though that one guy, one voice actor does the voice of the of the three banana splits. Yeah. He he does a pretty good job of getting close to the voices of the original guys. Like not spot on, but you could tell. Like because I, I've I've watched the original banana splits on television. So, wasn't spot on, but it was close enough. You could tell, yeah, that's Bingo, that's Trooper, that's uh, Flegel. Mm-hmm. But if you like your cheesy slasher flips, banana splits is definitely a good one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about how accurate my number six was for placement wise until just now. Mm. I never. Too. So to, to not bury the lead, my number six 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 is Hellboy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not even think about that. And ironically, our sixth episode of our podcast is about Hellboy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I did not. I, uh... <laughs> Good on you, and you didn't even try. <laughs> didn't even try. Number six is Hellboy. David Harbour as Hellboy. Mm. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed Hellboy. I think Hellboy was higher on my list too, but just like Band of Splits just kept, the more movies I saw, the more movies they just kept knocking it down. But yeah. and it, what, I think what I think what helped Hellboy so much other than the fact that we defended it so much mm. was that, well... Do I, okay, I'm in the mood to watch a movie. Do I want to watch it, Chapter 2 or Rise of Skywalker or do I want to watch Hellboy again? Hmm. I'll watch Hellboy again. Like, yeah. not, not the Batch, Chapter 2 or Rise of Skywalker. But I think, I really think rewatchability played a big factor in it and I enjoyed it so much. Like the whole, what, watching him fight the Giants and I don't know why, but I just love him fighting the Giants. It's so fucking awesome. And I... I heart Mila Jovovich. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. <laughs> like we mentioned with the rise of Skywalker and Ben Solo and Ray kissing, uh, I think Hellboy and Baba Yaga kissing is just a little more disturbing because, like I said, when I went to go watch the movie, <laughs> that's when a guy walked out of the theater. He walked out of the Baba Yaga kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is like a little. 
I but I would I will watch Bobby Yaga kissing Hellboy a hundred times over. I watch Chucky strangling Mickey Rooney in Child's Play. Mm-hmm. The, the the animal lover in me cannot take harm being done to animals. Yeah. And I was just talking to my buddy Mikey the other day. Well, we were watching uh, Dead Meat. Um, Dead Meat's a YouTube channel and a podcast. And the on the YouTube channel they do kill counts, and we're watching one for the thing from 1982. John Carver is the thing. And I'm an animal lover. I love cats more than dogs. I do love dogs. But I talk about how the thing is. There's very few movies where I need to watch something happy or something pleasant after I watch it. Yeah. And the thing is one of those movies where it's not scary, but just so uh, grim. Yeah. And um, that the dog kennel scene. I hate watching harm come to those do- those huskies. Mm-hmm. Huskies are my fa- huskies are my favorite breed of dog. And um, then when you fast forward a few minutes later in the movie, and Wilford Brimley kills the rest of the dogs with the axe, like that's so hard for me to see. And that's why it's hard for me to watch. Like I laugh now. When I was in college, I used to laugh at ryan reynolds killing the dog in amityville horror remake i used to laugh at the boondock saints scene with the cat but now that i'm a little bit older now and i hope i'm less of a dickhead now than i was in high school and college my heart's grown three sizes since then i think and um i just can't stand to watch harm come to animals in movies <laughs> but uh yeah that's, that's why i think hellboy gets a little more rewatchability out of me then now than then i can't watching him beat up the changeling the pig that's different it's a cg animal um a, a man it's a human animal hybrid so and anthropomorphic animal so but hellboy as much crap as it gets there people are stuck in the ways oh ron perlman's my hellboy robert england's my uh freddy krueger my brad dorf's my chucky well like we said in that episode, like you got to give these guys a chance. Like they make it their own. Jared Leto made Joker his own. Joaquin Phoenix made Joker his own. Well, somebody asked me which was Joaquin better than and then Heath Ledger. I'm like, well, it's hard to tell because every incarnation of Joker has been different. Yeah. But um, David Harbour's Hellboy is very enjoyable. Like, and you, you get the father-son relationship better, I think, with than the first one like and i had my scribbles with the with the hellboy the cg some of the cg is kind of weak but it's overall it's a hellboy the new hellboy is very enjoyable mm-hmm. but i i do love the two ron perlman ones but i do really love this help this uh save harbor hellboy definitely it's, it's a fun film so yeah definitely enjoyed that one it, it <clears throat> it may it may be coming up again soon. We'll, we'll just. <laughs> I have a I have a thing about we got we have, it and... <laughs> we have we have now reached the top five, and I am prepared to have some very similar choices here. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can guarantee. I am willing to bet you now, at least three of our top five. Are gonna be the same movie. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot. Can I know our number ones are the same? Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, 
which, if you're listening at home, everybody, all my friends know what my number one movie of the year is. So, <laughs> vis-a-vis, they're going to know what Melissa's favorite movie of 2019 is, too. <laughs> so, yeah. I want to bet dollars to donuts that of our top, of our remaining top five, you're going to hear three movies of the top five. So, <laughs> yeah. welcome to the top five movies of 2019. Melissa, what kick us off. What is your number five movie of 2019? My number five movie of 2019 is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very nice. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I recently saw that one. I, like, I bought the movie without even seeing it because I wanted to see it in theaters, but I just, whatever circumstances, I just never got around to seeing it. So then when it finally came out on DVD very recently, I went to buy it and I was like, you know, I haven't seen the movie, but it's Quentin Tarantino. You can't go wrong with him. I love him. I really do love him and his movies. So I'm like, I'm buying it. And it was definitely, you know, worth it. Um, I was not disappointed at all, and and um, it was definitely like it was the slow burn of a movie. Like it was sort of a bit slower paced, but it was still good. Like it was, I never really found myself like really kind of bored in it. It was very good, and then like the ending was just incredibly satisfying, and it was just awesome. It was beautiful. So, yeah, that earns my my number five. Well, we're gonna be talking about it here. Shortly, <laughs> like I said, three of our top five are going to be the same. But I, I, I do love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This this one fluctuated quite a bit on my list, and I'll I'll get more into that later. Uh, my number five is Knives Out. Oh, nice! I still want to see that one. It is really good. I I went and saw it on my birthday. Um, back in December. Um. I can't remember the first time I saw a trailer for it. I can't remember what movie I saw. I'll say it was It Chapter 2 was probably the first time I saw a trailer for it. Mm. And I'm like, holy shit, this looks pretty good, actually. And I I do love a good whodunit. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you date back to, like, Vincent Price and House on Haunted Hill. I do love a good whodunit. Mm-hmm. And when you see who directed it, Ryan Johnson, who did The Last Jedi, I was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but when you see the cast of this movie, you got Chris Evans in one of his first non-Captain America roles since mm-hmm. Endgame. You got Jamie Lee Curtis, who I love. You got uh, Tony Collette. You got uh, Daniel Craig. You got uh, Don Johnson. You got Michael Shannon. You got the kid that played young Bill in the first It movie. So many damn good actors and actresses in this movie. And... Uh, is it Christopher Plummer? No. Can't remember. But uh yeah. so many damn good actors in this movie. Yeah. And it keeps you guess like there's a part about halfway through the movie, I think I had it figured out. Mm. And then when you get to the end, I was half right. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you get to the end, I was still surprised. I was still shocked at the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> so by the time I get to the end of the movie, I was still like, holy crap! <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan Johnson, you, you, might have, you might have dropped the ball on Last Jedi, but you've knocked it out of the park with 
Knives Out. It, go see it. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to see it. It looks good. It looks good. And they're like, go see it. It is good. If you, especially if you were, like, I'm a huge Michael Shannon fan. So I really enjoyed him in it. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. So I loved her in it too. She's Chris Evans' mom in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that was, that was sort of the thing for me too. It's like, oh, I, I want to, I still definitely want to go see it. Like, that, no question about that. Um, but yeah, like I like, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and Chris Evans and Daniel Craig. I like so those three were like, yes, I need to see this. So, yeah. Have you have you seen My Cousin Vinny? No, I have not. Um, Daniel Craig plays like a. If it's not too spoiler, Daniel Craig plays like a southern. He's a private investigator, but he's from the South. So okay. he's got like a Southern drowl to him. <laughs> so, like I kind of got myself reminded of Fred Gwynn, the late Herman Munster. And uh, the I can't remember the name of the actor who played the uh, the public defender in, in uh, My Cousin Vinny, which is a good movie. You should check that out. Okay. Um, I kind of got reminded of the guy kind of chuckled whenever I heard Daniel Craig because he's got that Southern drawl. When he speaks, but but it's very it's even if you're not a fan of whodunit movies or murder mystery movies, you could say, "Oh, I love Daniel Craig. I'll go watch this for Daniel Craig. I'll go watch this for Jamie Lee Curtis. I'll go watch this for Chris Evans." Because if you go to watch it for these certain actors' performances, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to love the movie overall. Mm-hmm. And that, like for me personally, I love a good whodunit. Like that, it's a I find them absolutely fun, and it's fun to kind of like guess and. You know, see if you're right, but then if you're, you know, wrong, it's still fun to watch. So, yeah, for that aspect, and then for like three actors that I mentioned, it's like, yeah, it's I'm sold well, on it. So, well, yeah. let me know when you let me know when you watch it so we can discuss how uh-huh. I think I had it fi- how I think I had it figured out <laughs> how it <laughs> all turned around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely, and then I'll tell you what my thoughts were and how we, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a side tangent on a future episode. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, uh, so knives out to my number five. So, okay. Melissa, what is your number four for 2019? My number four for 2019 is Rocket Man. Rocket. I absolutely adored this movie. It was so much fun. And it kind of pulled at your heartstrings a little bit. And it was just overall an amazing, amazing movie. And um, I actually saw it twice in the theater. um, Because, like, I went with my mom. She really, really wanted to see it. So we both went to see it. And we both loved it. And and then I saw it with my friend Katie a second time. Because she's like, oh, I haven't seen the movie yet. Want to come see it with me? I'm like, oh, hell yes. So I saw it a second time. And I loved it a second time, too. So, um, And then I've since watched it on DVD. Because uh, that was a must-buy. So, yeah, I, I loved it. It was it was very, very good. So, yeah. there was There was a few moments in the movie where, like, uh, Taron Edgerton, who played Elton John, he just morphed into Elton John. Like, he was him. It was uncanny how, in some scenes, like, he just, he almost, like, looked like him when he was younger. You know, like, it was just incredible. So, 
Um, and some of the the scenes, like there's a, a scene where he's, I think it's, is it his, uh, I can't even remember, but it's like he's sitting at a piano on stage and it's turning around and, and Pinball Wizard is playing and it's like the coolest scene ever. And so, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. That earns my top yeah. my four spot. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to see this one. And truth be told, I haven't, I didn't even see Bohemian Rhapsody till 2019 when I rented it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen Bohemian Rhapsody either. I, I still want to, but well, Bohemian Rhapsody is good. I, I enjoyed it. I heard, I heard Rocket Man was along the same lengths as Bohemian Rhapsody was, just like a biopic stretched it's, out. But um, yeah, it's basically like a biopic slash also musical. Like musical form, and like my friend Jenny, because she wanted to see Rocketman, so we watched it the day after my birthday, and um, and so we had we had pie and and movie night, so we had birthday pie and and watched the movie, and and she had seen Bohemian Rhapsody, and she said Rocketman was better. She enjoyed Rocketman a lot better than she did Bohemian Rhapsody. So she said it was a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, just liked the musical part of it, and so yeah, she uh, that was that was her critique of it was that Rocket Man was better. So. I'm sure I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. I do like Elton John. Um, I'm a fan of Elton John. So, and I do like Taron Egerton. He I've I've only seen him in the Kingsman movies, and mm-hmm. I've seen parts of Sing because I know he does the voice of character in Sing, but I'm not as uh, I haven't seen it all the way through, but. Um, yeah. I remember seeing previews and like, oh, that'd be good. And not that, I, not that I purposely left it off my movies yet to see this year, but 2019 was a busy year, so I, I just didn't get around to it. But I, I, I will see Rocket Man eventually, I'm, I'm sure. And mm. but um, it did look good though. But um, yeah. it's it's wonderful. So. so I'm sure I'm sure I'll discuss it with you more once I see it. Um, yep. So uh, my number four. Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, it was originally lower on my list earlier this year. Um, the first, I saw it with my brother back in August. Uh, we watched a, a bad copy of it, bad audio quality. And uh, I'm still like I'm making petty excuses, but bad audio quality and low video quality and I was tired when we were watching it too, so I think I, think I nodded off parts of the middle because there's parts of the middle where it kind of drags on a little bit. But mm. I rewatched it. I bought it the other day when it came out. Well, I, I think it's been out for a while, but uh, I bought it the other day and I rewatched it like a night later. And I just, I, I am a Tarantino fan. I'm not as diehard as Melissa is, but I do enjoy a lot of Tarantino's movies. And this one's probably my top three for Tarantino movies and I'm a huge Brad Pitt fan Brad Pitt steals the show for me I think and um, I don't want to but I know it's like I when I talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I always talk about like the last 15 minutes of this movie because it's so fucking bonkers <laughs> <laughs> it's so bonkers yet unbelievably satisfying like I don't know I just found that it was just uh. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a great it's a great plot twist too for uh for because i think tarantino said that the manson the manson 
storyline. It was just like a subplot. It wasn't going to play that big of a, a role in the movie, but and you see Charlie Manson once, and then then you don't see him again. But then you have uh, Cliff giving no, yeah, Cliff giving Pussycat a ride out to the ranch, and you see Squeaky sitting in the. So you see, Squeaky was one of Charlie's more notorious uh, followers. Um, I think Tex was too. You meet Tex. Uh, it's been around. I've I haven't read all of Helter Skelter. I've only read like half of Helter Skelter. Um, this also came out at a time too. Where there was another Manson movie come out that came out this past year too. Right? I think I think there might have been like two other Manson movies that came out this year too. One with uh, Hilary Duff playing Sharon Tate. Yeah. And if I think, if I'm not mistaken, one of uh, Matt Smith playing Charlie Manson, wasn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. I not know. <laughs> really? Well, it's like it seems like these things kind of happen in droves. That when yeah. somebody makes a movie about something, so like you go back to the '90s with Dante's Peak and the another volcano movie came out at the same time. So yeah, like like a lot of natural disaster movies come out at the same time. So you get those that the happening. So now you had. I might be mistaken though. On, on I could have sworn though there was a kind of like how we talked in the Krampus episode, the last episode of Krampus, how there was all these Krampus movies that came out in like 2015, yeah. or how everybody confuses the two Jack Frost movies. One is a cheesy slash horror movie that's horrible. It shows Shane Elizabeth in her first movie role getting raped to death by a snowman. And then you got 1998, Michael Keaton playing a, a dad who dies in a car accident and comes back as a snowman so he can spend time with his kid. So, but I'm almost certain, because uh, I know a buddy from work shared an art, uh, shared a trailer with me about, I think it's called The Haunting of Sharon Tate, which is Hillary Duff as Sharon Tate and it deals with the Manson murders. So I think I was confusing that for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but then you spoiler alert, you get to the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it plays a lot bigger role in it than you thought it would. Mm-hmm. And the the movie with Matt Smith was Charlie Says, that was the name of it. And what it year came, did that come out? Official release was May tenth, twenty nineteen. See, three we get so we get three Charlie Manson movies in twenty nineteen. I don't know if the Hilary Duff one is out yet or not, but um. But I think that one probably revolves around more of Sharon Tate than actually. And probably, I'm sure the Manson thing will probably play into it. Yeah. But um, but I also wondering if I love. I talk about two other people too. Is just the the scene between uh, Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt and uh, Bruce Lee, quote unquote Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. I talked about it with a guy at work too. I also love the scene with Leo DiCaprio and the little girl. That scene's kind of growing on me too. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know why I enjoy like or uh, Rick Dalton being so hard on himself, and then just going out when he's doing that move, that show pilot and just crushing it. So mm-hmm. you, so you do get a see like like the main storyline is Rick Dalton like struggling, like he's starting to fade out of. He's starting to fade out of the Hollywood's eye, and he's just trying to find his way back into into it. So he's trying to keep up with the how Hollywood's changing around him. So, so yeah, that, once upon a time, go that, ahead. Sorry, the Hillary Duff movie 
that's the haunting of Sharon Tate, and it came out June twentieth, twenty nineteen. I think that's yeah. That's what the internet says, unless it's lying. But <laughs> well, you can always trust the internet because I looked up uh, when I did my top movies of the decade. It said Goon came out in twenty eleven and twenty twelve. <laughs> <laughs> what year? <laughs> what year is it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. if you, I haven't seen the other two Charlie Manson movies that came out this year, but I did see one. It was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's the better one. And I think as a day, as a time of this recording, I don't know if they're are they nominated for any Oscars. I know they're nominated for Golden Globes, but I don't know if Once Upon a Time was nominated for an Oscar or not. Uh, I don't remember. I think I've seen it somewhere in there, but I can't remember. If I'm not mistaken, Brad Pitt won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. Yes. Yeah. So well deserved. He is he is awesome. Brad Pitt is awesome. So is, I'm not a huge DiCaprio fan, but DiCaprio is fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah, I would agree. And, and like same here. Like I'm not really big on on DiCaprio, but he was good in this one. I really enjoyed him. So yeah. And I love Margot Robbie too. I love her so damn much. <laughs> and she was good at share. They don't get a lot of Sharon Tate in it, but it, it was good. She was yeah. good. Yeah. Once Upon a Time Hood, my number four. So now we've reached the top three. Which now I know for I know for sure we are gonna get two out of three that are gonna be matching here. Oh yeah. Uh Melissa, what is your number three? My number three is Hellboy. Nice. <laughs> that one was it was my top three were the easiest to do. Um it was yeah, I really, um, it was the same thing of like, you know, I really, really loved Rocket Man. I can't say much, you know, enough about it. Um, and it was going to be in my top three, but I'm like, you know what? No, I really, really enjoyed Hellboy that, that like a little bit more. So Hellboy got the third spot. So, yeah. And, you know, I've said it once and I'll say it again. David Harbour's Hellboy is better than Ron Perlman's. Come at me, bro. <laughs> I loved what David Harbour did with Hellboy. Like he really made it his own, and he he really showed he had fun with the character. Like he just had so much fun, and the character how he had this sort of a little bit of dry wit and sarcasm and. Just the movie itself was was a lot of fun and enjoyed it. So there we go. It earns my number three on my list. <laughs> the thoughts and opinions of Melissa Nicholson are hers and hers alone and not reflect those of her co-ambassador when she says David Harbour is better than Ron Perlman. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love them both. I want my cake and I'm going to eat it too. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not doing Sophie's choice here with my favorite Hellboys. <laughs> I I do think I think I mentioned before Hellboy was I think Hellboy was higher on my list at one point. I think I had I think I had Hellboy as high as number four at one point, but then I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Knives Out and that kicked it out. Yeah. Yeah, I kicked it out. It. Uh, That's fair. 
is foul. To be foul. <laughs> but uh, I've I've already expressed my thoughts and opinions on Hellboy. I did enjoy it. It's got a lot of rewatchability factor for me. Like I I have my gripes about it, but not enough to like not keep me from watching it again or ever again. I own it. I bought it day one on Blu-ray. So yeah. Um, my number three is going to be kind of a spectrum change. My third favorite movie 2019 is Dumbo. Ah, okay. Yes. I have not seen a ton of the live action remakes that Disney's done. I think this is only the second one I've seen. I saw the jungle book. Mm. I enjoyed that one, but, um, like how you said, when you mentioned Dumbo, um, this one was really emotional for me. I do not know why. Yeah. Um, twenty nineteen has been a rough year for me emotionally. Mm-hmm. I can admit, but I saw this in early twenty nineteen. Um, the big softy me, I welled up a couple times watching this movie, and there's yeah. a nostalgia factor for me because um, Dumbo. Going back to when I mentioned in Frozen Two, how Frozen and I think now Frozen Two are me my top ten favorite Disney animated movies of all time from Disney Animation Studios. Dumbo is in my top five for favorite Disney animated movies of all time, mm. just because it's so different. Mm. And I always told my mom when if if I ever got married that we, me and my mom have our father son our mother sun dance it's gonna be to baby mine from dumbo and uh but the first time i saw dumbo fly in this movie i welled up i do not know why mm-hmm. i do not know why but it just got me right in the feels and my eyes welled up a little bit watching this and i'm glad i sat in the back row by myself yeah. <laughs> but um i think first of all i for tim burton alone i was gonna go see this this movie Mm-hmm. Number one, Tim Burton. Number two, Dumbo. Number three, I'm starting to develop a crush on Eva Green. <laughs> but um, I love how Tim Burton, because you watch the original Dumbo, it is not a very long movie, like 40 minutes long. It is not very long. So the whole first half of this movie is essentially the animated Dumbo. The whole second half is Tim Burton's. This is Tim Burton's creation right here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, strike that. Reverse it. Reason number three to watch this movie: Michael Keaton. Yep. Absolutely. Number four. <laughs> number 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 four reason to watch this movie is growing crush on Eva Green. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I can't believe you. <laughs> well, have you, Melissa? Have you seen uh, the animated Dumbo? Yes, like so, many years ago. So you know it's <laughs> you know it's sad when Dumbo's mom gets taken away. Yes, when Jumbo gets taken away. Mm-hmm. Very sad the animated movie when Jumbo get Mrs. Jumbo gets taken away. Yeah. Flash forward to 2019. Tim Burton says you think it was sad when Mrs. Jumbo was taken away. Tim Burton says, hold my beer. Oh, God, yeah. I am... Oh. It is so much sadder when Mrs. Jumbo gets taken away in this movie. I think that's another... I I wanted to cry in the trailer when they show her get taken away in the trailer. 
when I I am so glad I saw this like at home and just yeah because I was like Niagara Falls of tears through that whole scene I was like oh I don't I couldn't stop crying I was just unbelievably emotional during that whole scene <laughs> and oh I I know they don't I don't know if the CG I think the CG for Dumbo looks great. Mm-hmm. Like of all the live action animals they've done for these movies, like yeah, they well the Jungle Book looked really good. I think Dumbo looks just as good and the emotion I'm gonna well up just talking about it, like just the emotion of how heartbroken Dumbo is when they take his mother away. Huh. It gets you it it hits you right here. It does. It. I'm fuck. I'm gonna start crying about it because, goddamn, yeah. That that. Ugh. I talk about how I talk about how I wasn't emotionally stable. I didn't think I'd be emotionally stable enough to watch Rise of Skywalker, mm. and how I would have welled up during Last Jedi. And what I, I think I was able to hold off the tears during Last Jedi because I was because they said like, hey, she still has more footage left, but um. Or I would have, I would have cried after Rogue One, but I did well up and did have some tears during Dumbo. And it was a day one purchase when it came out too. And it, it, Dumbo did okay in the box office. It, it won the first weekend it came out, but it got. I think Captain Marvel came out like right after it, so yeah, not long after it, it got it got buried. But I think it got buried. No. Shazam's the one that got buried, but Captain Marvel came out like right after Dumbo, not long after Dumbo. So, mm-hmm. so that kind but, of uh, like yeah, it did well for a little bit, and then it just kind of yeah, it got buried by. Like, it Marvel. was I I know it was number one movie in the world for at least one week. I think it was yeah. its opening week at number one movie in the world, mm-hmm. and I haven't I own it. I haven't rewatched it since then, but it will get a lot of rewatchability out of me. And I've downloaded some of the songs from the movie. Danny Elfman's score is just, out of, as usual, knocks out of the park. Oh yeah. Uh, Pink Elephant's on parade scene is pretty good. You don't you you don't get the crow. Obviously, they didn't put the crows in the movie because mm. of reasons. And uh, you don't get Timothy. You don't you don't get Timothy Mouse per se either. Like you get a mouse dressed up in a circus, uh, a ringleader's outfit, but you don't yeah. get Timothy Mouse. So. So you get these kids. You get Colin Farrell is really good in this movie too. He is. He's he's awesome. Yeah. Not the biggest Colin Farrell fan in the world, but he's starting to grow on me. This is probably the first movie I've really enjoyed of him. Is, Same is here. One. I I haven't been a big Colin Farrell fan, but like since seeing him in like Fantastic Beasts, where it's like, and then this one, like in then in Dumbo, it's like, yeah, he's warming up. Like I, I'm I'm warming up to him. Like, and, he's doing really well, so yeah. And and as of the recording of this podcast, he has been confirmed for Penguin in the Batman. Yes, that, that'll be interesting. I'm really warming up to this movie. I I was skeptical at first, I will admit, but I'm I'm warming up to it, and I'm definitely there's no doubt I'm gonna go see it. So, yeah. I, oh, I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see it too, no doubt. Um. Colin Farrell is definitely probably one of the biggest names they have. Like, I know who Paul Dano is. Um, I saw him in Little Miss Sunshine, but that was years ago. Um, 
I'm more familiar with Zoe Kravitz's dad, Lenny Kravitz, than I am with her. Yeah. So, but I am excited to see Colin Farrell as the uh, as the Penguin, and I I just laugh at all the BS ads, the the fake articles that uh, Matthew McConaughey is going to play Harvey Dent. <laughs> yeah. Now it's now <laughs> Warner Brothers wants Har- Mike Matthew McConaughey to play the Reverse Flash. <laughs> Oh God! If that was true, oh boy. <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, Colin Farrell is really starting to impress me now with uh, with his portrayal in Dumbo, and he's a he's a character you really root for. Like an every man came back from the war and yeah. he's trying to get by, raising his two kids by himself, and like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what to change the subject before I start crying. Talk about Dumbo. Yeah. Dumbo's got a lot of nostalgia factor for me for being one of my favorite animated movies as a kid. So, and of course, Tim Burton directing it. Like, hell yeah! Why well, would I not love it as much as I do? Exactly. Yeah. So, now that we're top two, cats out of the bag, we have the same number one, number two. <laughs> Well, so most of tell everybody what our number our number two film is for 2019. Shazam. <laughs> just say just say the word. Just say the word. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I I love that movie. It was so good and so fun, and Zachary Levi fucking crushed it. Like he he just crushed it. So I, I yeah, it was so good. It was that a little bit of like pulling at the heartstrings, but then it was also fun and and it had humor and it was just a perfect balance of everything. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. Uh, going back to going back to Frozen Two again, I'll talk about how I enjoyed Olaf because that how if you play naivete well, it works good for me. Mm-hmm. Zachary Levi doesn't necessarily I wouldn't say Zachary Levi is naive but he definitely captures a kid in an adult's body so well yeah, that you could buy him for being this 13 14 year old boy mm-hmm. so that I really enjoyed like Shazam is so well done I really loved it and I hate that it got sandbagged between Endgame and um Captain Marvel. Yeah. It, it it did well. It did good for the budget it was made on. Um it for the two movies it was pinned between. It got pinned between two Mar- two of Marvel's biggest movies for the year. Yeah. But uh it still did well. It did. And it, yeah. I think I I I I've only seen I think I saw it twice in theaters. I saw it opening night, then I went and saw it again with the double feature with Hellboy. Weird, weird double feature to have. And, uh, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and I love as the time of this recording, it has been announced that we are getting Black Adam, who was teased in Shazam. Well, it wasn't teased; he was mentioned. mentioned. Black Adam was mentioned. Uh, I think it was mentioned by the Wizard. Black Adam was mentioned by the Wizard before Billy Batson gets his powers, and then um. And so, and as 
is this recording? April 2022, we are getting Shazam 2. Yes! Which, <laughs> which with uh, Black Adam being released in December of 2021 and April 2022 for Shazam 2, there hopefully there's going to be some connection there between the two. So hopefully we'll get to see The Rock and Zachary Levi face off. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be awesome. But uh, yeah. I... I was really hoping we'd get Black Adam in the first movie, or at least get. It. I thought I thought he would be the post credit tease, actually, the mid credit scene tease. Yeah. But we got uh we got the uh, the mastermind, the mega mind. Um, but uh, which, but even though we didn't get Black Adam with the Rock, with the Rock's been casted for Black, confirmed for Black Adam now for years now, and um. But I, that's not any disrespect on Mark Strong as Dr. Savannah. He was awesome. Played it straight. Played it cold. Mark Strong knocked it out of the freaking park. He did. This whole movie. He totally did. But then like, he, he plays those, those kind of characters well. Like, he plays that, that straight character very well. Like, he just... Yeah. I really... I'm... I've only seen him in like a couple movies, but like I really like him as an actor. I think he's amazing, and yeah, and Shazam, he just he he did fantastic, like just amazing. And I will say that Shazam was my first DC movie that I saw in theaters. Nice, my first one. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> yeah, I really loved the trailer for it, and I was like, oh, it's a DC film. And then I went to see it and I loved it. So, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first one. I I think I'd only see I think I'd only seen Mark Strong and I think just the Kingsman movies. Yeah. When he played Merlin. So he's like a disgruntled Merlin in this one. He still plays it kind of straight. So Yeah. Dr. Savannah is like a disgruntled Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I didn't get a chance. To, I wanted to see Shazam as part of my cheerathon this past year. I didn't get a chance to make it part of it. Um, I did. <laughs> I didn't. I wanted to so bad, but I, I did. I really, but I I really did love Shazam, and I'm in agreement with a lot of people now. Like, they got to get the pedal. They got to get the pedal to the metal in this sequel going because those kids are going to age up. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of like, come on, let's go, come on. <laughs> Darla's not going to be Darla's going to be a little bit older now she's not going to be the cute little 8 year old girl unless she wasn't yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and speaking of how like we mentioned in Rise of Skywalker how they're able to keep it secret that um, Harrison Ford was in Rise of Skywalker I loved how they kept it secret that Adrian Brody was in Shazam mm-hmm. that was good yeah. that was that was a great like, as soon as the, he gives as soon as the, Mar- the rest of the Marvel family gets their powers, I thought Adrian Brody is uh, as a uh, Freddie Marvel. <laughs> I just started like my jaw dropped. Like holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> we finally we finally got Adrian Brody in a, a superhero movie because he was supposed to be the Flash in George Miller's Justice League movie back in the early two thousands. Oh okay. <laughs> yes. So it was nice to see him in that role, and he played it pretty well. He he. Acted a lot like uh, Freddie did. 
Mm. And uh, Megan Good, who played a uh, Darla Marvel, she played it well too. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, uh, any more praise to sing about Shazam? No, I got. I could go on for days, but we get, we gotta move on to our uh, <laughs> to our very our last one, but our, our number one, which I think everybody's figured out by now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, I'll I'll, our, I'll 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 do the honors here. Um, of course, like we said, me and Melissa have the same number one this year, and of course. No doubt, our number one film of this year was The Missing Link. <laughs> I cannot say enough good things about The Missing Link. <laughs> <laughs> like so many good scenes in that movie with the Link, and I liked how he wasn't missing anymore. And <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. The the jig is up. Of course. What the fuck did you think? Number one movie this year is also Guy Milk's favorite movie of 2019. <laughs> it is the. <laughs> it is. It's the movie that's made all the money. It's Joker. Hands down. Joker is our number one movie of this year. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was when making this list, it was like number one. And Joker. It was no question, no doubts, no anything that was set in stone. Um, the movie was some, you know, at some points hard to watch, but still a beautiful film. And like the, all the characters and Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck and Joker, just amazing and beautiful and. Uh, yeah, I, I really can't say enough about about the film and and uh, yeah, it, the the cinematography in it was was gorgeous and just yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely <laughs> deserves the number one spot. <laughs> this movie is, I'm not saying it's a masterpiece. I say it's art. Mm-hmm. I had a. I had a brother of mine text me last night saying he's finally watching it and he's enjoying it so far. And I go, I go do the, I just, the third act of this movie is almost like the third act of once upon a time in Hollywood. It is bonkers, but it is art. It is. is. And, uh, there's been much debate about this movie going all over the place. Um, I've even been debates with friends, friends, brothers about this movie. I love this fucking movie. And we go back, I go back to Skywalker and Dumbo about how this was the other movie. I did not know if I was emotionally prepared to see this movie just because what I've been through and what you see with um, Arthur going through just in the trailers alone mm-hmm. and my connection to, and my love for the character of Joker um, uh, there's parts of this movie where it 
let's say it's hard to get through sometimes. Some of these scenes are hard to get through. Mm. And don't mistake me for saying I'm sympathizing for the Joker in this movie. I, I don't condone his actions in the third part of this movie, in the third act of this movie. From the time he kills his mother on, I do not condone his actions. I'm not saying that. Um, just some of this heart-wrenching things he's going through kind of hit me right here in the heart. So, And uh, talking about this movie to other people, I'm under my friend Mikey Barr, the movie, and he was asking if it was good enough for his kids to watch. I'm like, well, I'm not going to play Monday morning couch dad and say, I essentially said it's it's your discretion. I go, there's parts of the movie there where it's grim, it's dark. I go, it's more like it's more like Taxi Driver than it is a stereotypical comic book movie. It's more like it's a gritty movie. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have the Marvel fluff in it. So I I essentially told people I told people if y'all can I, can my kids watch it like well with with Deadpool movies I'd say hard and Logan hard no mm-hmm. uh, Joker I wouldn't say it's as violent it doesn't rely on nudity and stuff as much as like Deadpool and all this stuff does like not not that Logan relies on nudity but Logan's more violence and language same with Deadpool and you get some nudity in Deadpool but um Joker is just more grim yeah and I could probably sit here and talk for hours I really, we already spent three hours talking about it uh an episode about a month ago and we could have spent another three oh, yeah. people have mentioned uh one of my brothers, Matt Kabruski, that I mentioned on that episode, uh, he mentioned to one of our other Tug teammates that Jared's podcast episode was longer than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and this, this, the three of us had a debate about how much of the movie happened in Arthur's head and what didn't. And then we brought up the fact that, spoilers if you haven't seen the movie, Allegedly, is there was an alternate ending where Arthur killed Thomas Wayne, or no, he killed Bruce. He killed Bruce. Bruce, yeah. And, uh, I, I take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, and I personally think it's a bit far fetched. Like, no, I I really don't see it. See that at all. Um. Yeah, no. (laughs) It's maybe, but not not really. Like, yeah, no. (laughs) If if Matt, you can Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize if I get this wrong. But I believe Matt has said he doesn't like the fact that a Batman would not exist in this world without a Joker. You got to have Batman if you're going to have the Joker. Yeah. I think that's loosely translated what he said. Matt, Matt, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize if I got that wrong. But um, I it also stands off when we, we debate about how much of the movie actually happened in his head. And I think I've rephrased my thoughts to believe that um, I don't think the killing of the Waynes happened in his head. I don't think him killing Murray happened in his head. But I think like him being praised and all that stuff, I think that happened in his head. Well, we know the whole thing with 
we know the whole thing with uh, Zazie Beetz's character happened in his head. Oh yeah. But um, I could see how him killing the Waynes or him or him killing Bruce, whichever happened. I could see him killing Bruce happening because this takes place outside its own universe. So mm-hmm. I could see that happening because there is a story arc out there called Flashpoint where Bruce is killed. Thomas becomes a more vengeful Batman mm-hmm. and Martha becomes the Joker. Yeah. But, um, so I could see. I could see an ending where Arthur killed Bruce and I could see the ending we got. So, but I do like the ending we get and I do like trying to piece apart what is real. I'm always changing my mind. What, what is real? What's not real? Yeah. Uh, let's say they ruined it for us by saying Sophie is alive. So that kind yeah. of. Kind of kills that one. I did because I like that ambiguity. Did he do it? Did he not do it? And I, people say this isn't a Joker movie. It is a Joker movie. There is, it's not ripped. It's not ripped from one storyline, but there are things that have been inspired. There are Joker inspired things in this movie. Mm Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. We could. We could turn this into another three-hour-long podcast. <laughs> but I think I think uh, we'll we can uh, end it there because if the, if you want to listen to us go on and on about this movie, we do have an episode all about uh, Joker, and we go on for days about it. But <laughs> yeah, because we love this movie so much. It's, it's, it is a good movie. And I I I've re- I've rewatched it a couple times since I, it came out on Blu-ray and I still love it. I still feel for Arthur. As of this recording, Joaquin Phoenix has won a Golden Globe for uh, Best Actor in a Drama. Well-deserved. I really I really hope he wins that Oscar. And we, Joker has also won Best Score. Yes. Too. That score is... That score really adds to the... The cinematography and the score... <laughs> really add to the grittiness. Mm-hmm. She almost, like, the the composer really, very much like Danny Elfman, how he just captures that world. In, it's in a the, female. It's, yeah. I was, I'm just, no, I'm talking about Danny Elfman at the moment. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. It's just, <laughs> don't confuse me. Um, <laughs> But like how like Danny Elfman he captures that world in the in the movies right he just you know with the movie and the music she does the same thing in this movie in Joker like she just with the the greediness of the world the you know and with the music and it's just beautiful like it goes so well together and uh, yeah that was that was a well deserved award for her so good on her. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it helps sets the scene as much as the cinematography does, and um, so well deserved two well deserved Golden Globe wins in here with the Oscars coming up here soon. I really hope I'm not going to be disappointed if Joker doesn't win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. 
I'll, I'll, oh, don't get me wrong, I'll be ecstatic if we win it, if yeah. Joker wins it. But I won't be disappointed. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want Joaquin to win that best actor. I want best cinematography. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see Todd Phillips win best director. I would. That's another one I wouldn't be too heartbroken if he didn't win. Yeah. But um, I'd love to see that too. But I'd really love to see uh, best actor. Definitely mm-hmm. more than it. Best actor, best cinematography, more than anything. It, those two titles are definitely worthy. Certainly, I'm I'm on the same page with that too. It's, yeah, those two need to. There's an award that needs to be won there. <laughs> yeah. So, quick recap. Melissa's number ten was Avengers Endgame. Mine was Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. We both surprisingly shared our number nine with uh, Child's Play. Melissa's number eight was Lego Movie, the second part. Mine, also being a sequel, was It Chapter 2. We keep the sequel train running for number seven, with Melissa's being Toy Story 4 and mine being Frozen 2. We love our Disney sequels, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Number six, Melissa chose the cheesy slasher flick Banana Splits, and mine was Hellboy, the divisive Hellboy movie. Well, reach the top five when well, we start to get some some, some similarities. Uh, Melissa's was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, one of three Charles Manson movies that come out in 2019. <laughs> My number five was The Who Done It, Knives Out. Number four, Melissa chose the Elton John biopic Rocket Man, while I chose Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number three. Melissa chose the very divisive movie Hellboy because <laughs> she had to one-up me, apparently. Well, I chose, <laughs> which I don't think anybody expected me to choose, Dumbo. The live-action remake of Dumbo is my number three for the year. And surprising nobody, Melissa and I shared our number two and number one movies of the year. Number two being Shazam, and number one being the highest-grossing already movie of all time, Walking Phoenix and Todd Phillips Joker. So I will post this list on our Facebook page so you can see it. And I know for sure my top 10 for the year is less conventional than anybody else's. Um, I know my decades list was very unconventional. I know this one will be too. But mm-hmm. Joker kicked ass. Fight me. <laughs> yep. So that was our top 10. Uh, Melissa's honorable mentions were Dumbo and Godzilla. Mine were Three from Hell and the Banana Splits. And we were both uh, seeing the biggest disappointments for our, the year. Melissa, Rise of Skywalker, uh, Captain Mevel, Avengers Endgame, even though it's in our top 10 for some reason. <laughs> Same with Child's Play <laughs> and Brightburn. And my my biggest disappointment was uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. So, 2019, hell of a year for movies. Oh yeah. So, anything you want to say before for 2019 before we move on to 2020? I'm glad 2019 is over. It was a good year for movies, but I'm glad the year was over. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note let's hope 2020 is a good year for movies too I hope so yeah so 
Right, real quick, we are going to run through our top five most anticipated movies for the year 2020. Uh, before we dive in, Melissa, do you have any honorable mentions for 2020? Uh, no, I don't actually, but... Um, well, actually, yes, I do. Okay, I'm lying. Um, honorable mentions for 2020 would be Black Widow. I'm sort of on the fence with it, where if I... Like, I kind of want to see it, but I kind of don't. But I'm like, eh. But I'll probably end up going to see it anyway, so it gets an honorable mention from me. Um, <laughs> it's also not my, like, not my most anticipated. And side note, I only have two most anticipated movies so far for this year, so I don't really, I don't have five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do. <laughs> um, I have two quick honorable mentions. I thought of a second one while we were recording um as much as i crapped on godzilla king of the monsters one of my honorable mentions for 2020 is godzilla versus king kong because i really hope they fix some of the mistakes they made with king of the monsters and i really enjoyed kong skull island oh yeah that was a good one and and uh another one coming out here pretty soon there's i think three of my movies on my list come out in february um <laughs> the third one uh my other honorable mention is the prequel the king's man yeah that completely slipped my mind and i just thought of it so yeah. i wrote that down as an honorable mention because i enjoyed both kings of movies mm-hmm. i oh i like i like the first one the second one uh, not so much but. you you didn't like the second one <laughs> no well, i don't know i couldn't get into it as much i don't know was, uh... here's the thing i enjoyed the second one I really love Elton John's role in it, <laughs> but I think the one th- I didn't like, like you, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one, mm-hmm. but the reason why I think I didn't enjoy it as much is because, um, Julianne Moore was good as a villain, but Samuel Jackson was such a good villain in the first movie that yeah. Her her villain is more forgettable than Samuel L. Jackson. Exactly, I agree. Then you got Except- the whole plus the plus the whole church scene from the first one. Yeah, that movie that's just fucking nuts. That's my favorite montage to Freebird because <laughs> it was the it was the ending of Devil's Rejects. That was my favorite uh, montage to Freebird until Kingsman came out. <laughs> the first Kingsman came out. <laughs> But, but I agree. King Kingsman: The Golden Circle was good, but it just wasn't as good. I think Samuel Jackson was such a good villain. Oh, yeah. Julian Moore's villain was. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. She was good, but. Yeah. Yeah. But if your your robot dogs are getting foiled by Elton John, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to those. Those are two honorable mentions for me. Um, well, since you only have two and I have five, how do you want to go about this? Um. Well, maybe if you want to go through your five, and then I can just mention my two. You want to mention the ones that you we have in common, essentially. Yeah. Or do, or maybe just do. I'll do my two because I'm sure we share both. Oh, how about this? 
How about I do my five, and you jump in when you have one that matches. Okay. I, I already okay. know our number one's match. I already know our number one's match. Uh-huh. But that's okay. Uh, my number five, my number four and number five were hard to do. And they're not any super. I know I'll, I'll probably add more as the year goes on, as I'm aware things are coming out. But number five, I put Birds of Prey or The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. <laughs> I just saw the, tra- the second trailer of the day, and like, wow, this movie looks fun. And we finally got Ewan McGregor in the black mask. So, yeah. That looks good. Um, and I love Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie could star in a movie about my own death, and I will still buy tickets opening night to go see it. <laughs> um, number the, four. Whoops, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and you're well. Actually, you're well. It's, it's in my two. Was yeah, Birds of Prey. Oh really? Yeah. Right off the bat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number four is Bill and Ted face the music. Mm-hmm. That's right. God damn, yep. I forgot about that one. <laughs> August of August of twenty twenty. Yes. Right. Um, number we're going to be getting a lot of uh, Keanu Reeves in the next few years because we're getting we got him last year. It was John Wick three in twenty nineteen? Also, I feel like it was. So. You, 2019, you had John Wick, and so you had you had Keanu Reeves and John Wick three and Toy Story four. In 2020, we're getting him and Bill and Ted facing music, and in 2021, he's got two movies coming out the same day: Matrix four and John Wick four are coming out the same day in 2021. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Bill and Ted face music will be one I'm looking forward to. Um, number three, which I'm. Sh- I'm kind of shocked I put it number three. Wonder Woman 84, I'm really looking forward to. Mm. Uh, that comes, We were supposed to get it in 2019, but Warner Brothers pushed it back. Yeah. Which I'm kind of glad it did, it, it definitely would have stolen some thunder from Joker if they released it when they were going to release it. Um, uh, maybe, well, maybe, yeah, I guess it probably would have. And that's on my list, too. Yeah, Wonder Woman 1984. That one looks like a. it'll be a good film. I I love Gal Gadot. She stole my heart as Wonder Woman when she first appeared in BVS. Uh, I love Kristen Wiig. I'm excited to see her as the cheetah. And we're getting... Here comes our Mandalorian side tangent. We're getting the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal, as uh, Maxwell Lord in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm... I'm a, and I'm excited to see how I'm curious to see how Steve Trevor comes back in this one since we saw him blow up in 1916 in the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, I've heard an interesting fan theory in Holy Batcast, so I'd like to see if that if that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, what upset my number three? What upset Wonder Woman for number two was the Impractical Jokers movie, which I think was originally supposed to be released last year, also. But um, if you remember back to our top 10 TV shows episode, Practical Jokers was one of my top shows. So I'm really excited for uh, for that to come out. I saw a trailer for it, and it looks fucking hilarious. Um, and to round it out, we both know what our top one for 2020 is. It's Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. <laughs> that first trailer I, came out, I'm like, <gasps> I and I I got a little bit like <laughs> you see the the um you know the the mold spores and fungus, right? And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> when, I, when I saw that part in the trailer, I'm like, okay, these two have to be Egon's grandkids. Yeah. But it's like little girl looks too much like Harold Ramis to not be yeah. Egon's granddaughter. Oh, exactly. So. And yeah, I'm first time I saw that trailer, I I watched it like twice, and right after I watched it, I watched it again, and it just it looks really really good. I'm excited for that one. I am, yeah, I am too. And, uh, can you help me settle something? Have we not known for a while now that Aykroyd and Murray and um, Hudson and Sigourney Weaver are going to be in this movie? Have we not known this for a while now? Yes, we have. Like a year at a least. Year. Yeah, it's been at least a year that we've known that they're going to be in it. it so why are our so why are articles coming? So why are articles now coming out that Aykroyd is confirmed, Murray is confirmed? We've known this for a while. <laughs> They're going to be in the movie. Well, you know how internet works. <laughs> Writers are bored. I have nothing to write about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I've already wrote about Matthew McConaughey being in uh, being in the Batman, even though it hasn't been confirmed. Hey, I'll write this. I need, we need, we need traffic. Hmm. Yeah, we've like, we've known this for a while. It's nothing new. We've already known this. Yeah, Aykroyd wrote the fucking thing, <laughs> or he helped, or he helped write the thing. Yeah, exactly. So, to any of these, if you want to, if you want to surprise, if you want to surprise me, tell me Rick Moranis is going to be in it. No wait, exactly. don't don't tell me, don't tell me Rick Moranis is going to be in it. I want to be surprised because I was heartbroken. Goes in the 2016 one. Yeah, that was that was a little heartbreaking. But yeah, if he's in this one, I will be happy, very happy. We'll like, see. We know Andy Potts is going to be in this movie. We we've known that the main three, the three surviving Ghostbusters, we know they're in it. <laughs> yep, we know this. This is not not breaking news. So yeah, move on. <laughs> Yeah. How about do some research and write a legitimate article? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. like, we've already known that the three are going to be in it. We know, like, what's going to be? Like, yeah, we, we know this. The movie is wrapped. The trailer's out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we already knew that they were going to be in it before the trailer came out. Oh, yeah. Before production even started. Yep. That was immediately. Do you really think people would go see a Ghostbusters movie if Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson weren't in it? Exactly. <laughs> they're going to go see it because they're in it. They're, 2016 suffered because it wasn't them, even though they're in it. Mm-hmm. They have but, cameos, but yeah. like, do you really think they're going to make a third Ghostbusters movie? Have it be part of the same storyline and not have them in it. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would make sense if they weren't in it. <laughs> That's why I shared on Facebook uh, about 
one thing I want people to do in 2019 is read the date of the read article. The date of the damn hard. <laughs> that, <laughs> yes. that 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 say that's more it's more geared towards like celebrity deaths because oh, yeah. Gene Wilder passed. Gene Wilder passed away three years ago, and I believe he's yeah. I believe Gene Wilder has died nine times since he died back in 2016. Yeah, I think Henry was... Morgan died long. Henry Morgan died longer than that, and he yeah. still dies on Facebook once a year. Yeah, it was like 2011. I think he passed away or something. Like, yeah, yeah it's he's, he's been long gone, guys. <laughs> the only so... one that got me was the only one that got me was Roger Moore. Because I'm not a huge Bond fan, mm. but um, but like Malcolm Young from ACDC died around the same time as Gene Wilder. He's yeah. died once every six months since then too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I believe it even said on a there's a local radio station, Dwyer Michaels, when it was on Gene Wilder's birthday, they talk about. I think it was come up on the anniversary of Gene Wilder passing away. Like, oh, here comes the Gene Wilder dying. Uh, that shared an article about, but they're talking about it on the radio that day. <laughs> and I think it was they do the, the, this moment in rock history or something like that. And I think they brought up Benjamin Franklin, <laughs> and one of the DJs goes, "Oh, great, get ready for a bunch of Facebook articles that Benjamin Franklin died." <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, it's very sad about the pet, most recent passing of Neil Pert, but you know what's going to happen to him too. He's going to fall victim to that too. About yeah, a yeah. year or two from now, Neil Pert just passed away. Like, oh no, he passed away a few years ago. Yeah. That was when I, I I hadn't even well recently yeah like just yesterday I basically it broke news that he had passed away and and I'd see I I had to look it up because Nick had posted a thing about like just a sort of you I can't remember what he said but anyway and I looked it up and I was like oh it was it was a gut punch it really was because Neil Peart is one of my favorite drummers so it was like oh. I was I was sad for the 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 rest of the evening, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'll say Rush Rush is one of the best three piece bands of all time, no doubt. Yep. I full on agree. Mm-hmm. There's your standard side uh Nerd Nation's side tangent. Yep. There can't be an episode without a side tangent, so there it is. We'll fly high. <laughs> Fly high on Neil, fly high Neil Pert. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, some of the movies we're most looking forward to in 2020. I, I know I'll add more as the year goes on. I'm sure. As I'm, I didn't do a lot of research to see what's coming out this year because you know studios are always moving shit around. Yeah. But I know I'm looking forward to to. Well, uh, I think DC. Yeah, DC's only got the two movies this year: Birds of Prey and uh, Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. But uh. Ghostbusters, that's going to... I was talking to a guy at work. I think I was talking to Mikey at work yesterday. Or it might have been the other Mike. Um, I think Ghostbusters and Wonder Woman 84 are going to go... They're going to go head-to-head for Summer Blockbuster. Because I think they're both coming out around the same time. 
I think so. So yeah, it's both, definitely going to be in, both yeah. in June, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I know it's Godzilla pretty... got. I know Godzilla got moved back to yeah. November. I think that's right. Yeah, because that was Bill pretty... Ted's in August. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know who would win that one. I would say Ghostbusters would. I think if those two go head to head, Ghostbusters would win. Actually, as much as I love Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman in DC movies, I, I think those two go head to head. I say Wonder Woman. I think Wonder Woman goes down to Ghostbusters. I think Ghostbusters takes it. I think so. I'm gonna agree. Yeah. Because yeah. I would almost say if I'm Warner Brothers, I would push back Wonder Woman a little bit farther. To I would push it, over, I would move it farther away from, farther away from uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, exactly. If they wanted to really, like you know, I'm sure it'll still make money. But if they it's wanted gonna... to make more money, <laughs> I think they they need to yeah. yeah move it back because Ghostbusters is gonna crush it. Excellent. So I don't know what we're going to get for DC after Wonder Woman because we're not going to get anything until 2021 Yeah, from DC. Yeah. But they're not – they don't want Wonder Woman to crush Godzilla. They don't want Wonder Woman to crush Godzilla, so they aren't gonna, they're not going to push it back for a fall release. Yeah. I don't know. Is, there, is the other uh, is the other Fantastic Beast coming out soon? Um. Supposed to be a third one of those, isn't there? I've only seen the first Fantastic Beast. Uh, I didn't actually. I don't know. I don't actually uh, know. So I don't know whether big release Warner Brothers would have next year besides Godzilla versus King Kong. That yeah. you don't have to worry about Wonder Woman if they want. If they want Wonder Woman to make to clear, reclarify my statement, I'm not saying Wonder Woman's not going to make money. I just think it's Depending on how close it is to Ghostbusters, it's going to hinder how much money it makes. Yeah. It's still, I'm still saying Wonder Woman's going to make money. It's going to do very well at the box office. But I think it's going to be it's Ghostbusters is going to be very stiff competition for it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think Nostalgia Factor alone is going to push Ghostbusters over Wonder Woman. Absolutely. We haven't seen Gal. We haven't seen Gal on screen since Justice League 2017. Yeah. Oh. But I'm still gonna go see it. But it's it's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough bo- that's gonna be a good box office battle to watch. Actually, Ghostbusters was one of them before. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that because it'll yeah, be I'm, see. I was sure. I'm sure I'll see them both multiple times too. But it's it's that's going to be a hell of a fucking battle for the box office there. <laughs> those two. Yeah. I want to say Wonder Woman's like early June and Ghostbusters is like later June. Yeah. Something like that. That that makes sense. I'm, I might be completely wrong, and Ghostbusters might be a different month or something. I can do a quick check. Uh. Yeah, sounds right though. Like I feel like that's um, that would be right. It'd be a good time to release it. It'd be a good summer release. Yeah, well, exactly. It would be. 
Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife. Sorry, I didn't put the whole tagline there. Okay. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife is expected to July 10th, 2020. Yeah. So that and Wonder Woman 84, I believe it's like June. Let's see. Uh, where is it? I'm not seeing it here. Okay, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is expected June 5th, 2020. So, so there's a good a... month in between those two releases, but but still, there, there's I... a good month. Keep in mind those are expected release dates, but I'm almost certain that Wonder Woman's been June of 80, June of 2020 for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, since they put since they pushed it back from. November of 2019 to June of 2020. I'm almost concerned, convinced it's June 5th. But uh, yeah, Wonder Woman will be out for about a month by the time Ghostbusters comes out. Um, but the the last one, the other Wonder Woman movie had legs too and carried. So like I say, Wonder Woman will Wonder Woman will probably win the box office until Ghostbusters comes out. Yeah. Then it will be a battle. Then when July rolls around, it will be a battle. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> well guys we ran down some of our most movies for 2020 i'm sure if you follow us on facebook i'm sure there'll be more as movies get announced for the year or we don't get lazy and do the research and look out what's coming up this year um let us know what you think do you do you agree with our top 10 for 2019 do you agree are you as eager to see some of these movies in 2020 as we are let us know let's, I know, I know, I sure shouldn't know my list ain't, my lists aren't conventional by any means, but then again, I'm not a very conventional guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're going to post the list up on our Facebook page, so if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can just search us at United Nations Podcast, and you can give us a like. Um, you can also find us on uh, Podbean, as always, that's our, that's our home. Um, but you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like and subscribe and leave a or subscribe on there. Sorry, technology is wonky in my head. Anyway, <laughs> and like us, a- like us, and leave us a review. There we go. See, he's got words and I don't. So there you go. <laughs> um, I'm your, I'm your we'll super, see. I'm your super friend. <laughs> that you are. <laughs> Um, you can also, if you want, you can, uh, we're also on Twitter at NerdNightedPod, or you can even search just NerdNightedNation's podcast and you'll find us on there. You can find me on the tweets and Instagrams, um, basically same name, uh, at Melissa N, or Miss Melissa N, sorry, I can't even get my technology handles right, jeez. Anyway, at Miss Melissa N, you can... Find me on, on both of those the same name, so go ahead and give me a follow if you like. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on the tweets and Instagrams at QCA underscore Mr. J. There is it's spelled M I S T A underscore J. I don't have the Brooklyn accent that Harley Quinn has, but I type it out like I have one. <laughs> follow me most of my most of my i don't tweet very much but most of my instagrams are pictures of my drawings and of my cats so and of my beard apparently <laughs> so 
So we hope you, this was a long episode. We haven't given you a new episode in a while, not since Krampus. That was New Year's Eve and a few weeks removed since that. So I thought you'd give you one jumbo episode of uh, 2019, what we loved about 2019 movie-wise, what we're looking forward to, what disappointed us about 2019 movie-wise. Uh, oh, we hope to hear from you. What are you looking forward to in 2020? What were your favorites of 2019? I know I've seen a lot of movies out there for 20, who people like for 2019. Uh, I don't know what I even see is the favorite. Probably some artsy movie. Usually gets oh. the favorite. Or <laughs> End, Endgame probably gets mentioned a lot or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll put my sword in the ground and I'll defend Joker's my favorite movie of the year. And when it comes down to the next decade, it's going to be Joker again. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, we did 2019 with our decade one. So, yeah, Joker was my number one for 2019. That was the easiest one to do. Oh, yeah. Going back, going back to 2011, <laughs> 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Junior and we hope you enjoyed this jumbo episode to kick off 2020. Talking about our favorite movies of 2019. What we're looking forward to most of 2020. We're excited to see what you guys are looking forward to this year. What you loved most about last year? What disappointed you about last year? Uh, let us know, and uh, we'll see you next time. In the words of the great Gilbert Lowe, we're nerds, and uh, we're pretty proud of it. See ya. <laughs> the thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.